Greetings and welcome, all you commanders, eagles, and angels. This is Rainbird, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Tara and Rama's Hard News on Friday night on BBS Radio Station One. So we're grateful that you join us here tonight. And I want to just take a few minutes to go into that heart space and hear that drama calling us as we gather around. Take a few gentle breaths. Breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, slowly, gently. Let go of that dross of the day. As we gather with our guides and our guardians, our angels, our spirit teams, ancestors, whoever you like to journey with the drumbeat with, just go with that drumbeat, the kini drum, that linker of world. So there's that council fire in the center. So come gather around, come in close. Virtual way we know how to do to make that perfect circle and that council fire. Now let us call in the seven galactic directions in the Mayan tradition.
above the house of the earth. May the beating of the crystal planet's heart bless us with its harmony so that we might end war. And we welcome from the center source of the galaxy, which is everywhere at once. May everything be recognized as the light of mutual love. Oh, all my relations. In Lakash, Alakin, and in another year, you are another Are you Hunaku, even Maya, Imaho? Are you Hunaku, even Maya, Imaho? Are you Hunaku, even Maya, Imaho? All hail the harmony of mind and nature. <laughs> so just stay wherever that drumbeat took you as we take a moment and look at the Mayan calendar for today or the record of days. It's another Friday the 13th, as it's a 13 minute, a blue healing hand, a cosmic blue healing hand. So uh, with this 13 number, it's the cosmic number, that divine feminine, that healer. Monique is the healer and it's the deer. So uh, let's look and see what the... Its its words are the Monique is um where is it? oh yeah it's <laughs> I read it here somewhere well, let's do let's do this cosmic direction this this cosmic tone it's transcending its presence and its endure and Monique is it's knowing and it's healing and it's accomplishment so to know. So I endure in order to know, transcending healing. I seal the store of accomplishment with the cosmic tone of presence. I am guided by the power of magic. So that's Chewin. Chewin is the guiding power today. And our helper today is Eb, the human, and our teacher today is the earth. And the fourth watch we're in right now is the occult guide, and that's East, the wizard. So we get that guide up by the wizard, and we work on <laughs> with the earth as our helper. And that, no, the teacher is the earth, and the helper is Ed, the human. We are the helper. <laughs> the humans are the helper, and the teacher is the earth. So lots of good energy for this evening that we get to wizard our way through. And uh, let's see, make a closer look over here because Monique, the healing hand, is also a deer. So it's a 13 cosmic deer day as well. So happy Friday the 13th. (laughs) So we're working with this healing aspect of Monique in the cosmic tone. And... uh, we're working with that healing of ourselves and others and creating contentment and peace 
we have that promise of change with that 13 tone. So must accept the divinity or ourselves and make it happen. Make those changes happen. Allow them. So we embrace these gifts of being that healer of humankind and that ability to open new doors. So let's let go of any distraction, any belief in inadequacy. Let's go of procrastination. There you go. That's today. It's a good day. And it's a Lamont tomorrow on Saturday. So one Lamont could we begin a new wave. The wave of the yellow magnetic star or that stargate. So we've got 13 days of this wave of the stargate starting tomorrow. And it ends, I believe, right there at that magical <laughs> holiday. <laughs> and I'm trying to remember Inbach. Yeah, that holiday, the handle mass. February the 2nd, I'm pretty sure, if my calculations are correct, it's right there in that holiday season of that beginning of spring, as we like to call it. <laughs> so, anyway, so this is the wave that's going to take us there, the wave of Lamont, and it's about learning to compromise and yet not giving our power away. So, let's embrace these, that, that idea and go through that stargate. It's a visionary aspect, and it's about the illumination of humankind. It's about opening that stargate. So we're journeying, and we have that gift of that pioneer spirit within us. So we have that power to see beyond the gate. So let's do our stuff and let go of any dissonance or any self-doubt as we embrace these energy for this wave starting tomorrow, Lamont, the wave of Lamont. And then on Sunday, moving right along, it's a, it's a two Maluk, so it's a lunar Maluk, a lunar moon, how appropriate. And it's it's a red moon, so it's a red lunar moon. And so that lunar tone, going with the moon energy, that lunar tone is about the, um, the opposites of the, the duality of the two and working for stability within in balance within that. So uh, we have that artist aspect we're working with that moon energy and, and indeed duality is an artist aspect. Um, so let's embrace these visions of that wise use of our rational rational mind and accepting spirit's directions and and this gift of having that contact with spirit. With this moon energy, it is a new moon. So that's tomorrow on the Lamont is the new moon, yes. It happens at 3.53 in the afternoon, I believe, on Saturday. And this is Sunday. So we're in that new moon energy with this moon day. So we're embracing that universal mind as being our mind and use our telepathy and and remembering what we came here to do. So let's let go of any insensitivity or any attachment to omens. And let go of any self-doubt. There's a lady on my page of notes. <laughs> Wonder what the ladybug means. Okay, so then moving on to Monday, it's the three arc, the white electric dog. And that's what we always need is an electric dog. It's an artist aspect. And it's 
the dog, the work with the energy of the dog is unconditional love. So we're healing the pain of the past, and we're embracing that unconditional love and learning it. <laughs> and we embrace these gifts of being in contact with our spirit guides and that awareness of our destiny, that awareness of our past lives, and that loyalty to humankind that the dog teaches us so well. So let's let go of any fears or any unwise use of anger. No growling. <laughs> and the electric tone is that movement. That's that's the the action happening. It's an organic number. The three is it's active. So it's that's an active dog. It ain't that dog ain't lying down. <laughs> so active love is what we're calling for. And then moving on to Tuesday, it's a four chewing the blue. Self-existing monkey and that self-existing monkey is also an artist aspect. So let's balance work and play and pay attention to the clarity of mind and that wise use of magical artistry. It comes with this energy. So let's be wise and embrace these gifts of that innocence, that spontaneity, that ability to play and laugh and, and laugh at ourselves. <laughs> let go of any sensitive insensitivity or any jadedness or any um, resistance to compassion. Yeah, let go of mistrust. Don't need any of that. And then moving on to Wednesdays, it's a five ebb, the yellow overtone human, and that's a healing aspect. Working with that human energy, which is. It's our helper of the season, or today, with the human energy. So it's about working for the enlightenment of humankind, activating cosmic consciousness, and attuning to spirit. So we embrace the gifts of it being that human servant warrior in abundance and our contact with other dimensions. As we let go of any dependence on the analytical mind, we Work with these energies on Wednesday, and then on Thursday is the sixth bend. And that sixth bend energy is the Skywalker. It's the warrior aspect, and it's about focus. It's about striving towards self-illumination and clarity. So embrace the gifts, the strengths, and the ability to bend dimensions. And surrender. Any resistance to faith or any belief in aloneness. All oneness, as Cheryl likes to call it. I like that. All oneness. And then on Friday, we come back at the 7th each. We're working with that wizard energy again, the magician, the visionary aspect, that our illumination for others and that clarity of mind and purpose. So we embrace the gifts of that, being that jaguar priestess woman or priest, and that shaman energy, that integrity, and working in accordance with divine will. We listen. Get our orders. <laughs> so let's let go of any, any control or personal power issues or any manipulation as we embrace these energies on Friday. And we'll talk about it some more when we come back next Friday. So that's the white resident wizard next Friday. And then that seven, seven tone, powerful, top of the mountain. <laughs> anyway, let's 
change hats. I'm going to do it. I'm going to change my hat. We are a listener-supported radio program. We are supporting BBS Radio, and you are supporting us. And we are also supporting Tara and Rama with their needs. So let's take a look and see what's up for this week. Uh, for the radio, we need $520. And so here's how we make a contribution to BBS Radio. Go into your heart space and see what is yours to give. And then go to bbsradio.com. And there you'll see uh, the schedule for Radio Station 1 and 2. You can click on the Radio Station 1 schedule and see us. Let's sit there at the 6 o'clock hour on Friday night at the Pacific Time. And as you click on the icon that shows there on that schedule, that'll take you to um, our account with PBS Radio. So <clears throat> it's the hard news on Friday night on PBS Radio 1, and so is the, on Thursday at the 6 o'clock hour, the, a night at the round table with the panel. That's also the icon that you can click on to access the Rainbow Roundtable account. BBS Radio, and then we're also have a show on Saturdays at the one thirty hour, and that's the true history, history, and this era, and our galactic origins. So we like to offer you, for all of you to join us there on Radio Station Two, and then as you're donating there, that you go to the menu for Radio Station Two and click on that show there at the one thirty hour, and that's how you get to the account there. <laughs> You could just do them all if you want to. <laughs> anyway, we're grateful for you taking that action. Every little bit helps, and it's always fun to participate this way and to commit ourselves that way. Uh, so, so much gratitude for showing up in that way and in all the ways that you show up in your lives. We're grateful. So we're assisting Tara and Rama with their needs, and... We're 10 days out from the rent being due, and so we're going to talk about it, see how close we can get, and see if we can make it happen in a good way, since it'll be short when we talk about it next week. Let's just bring it up right now and see if we can get her done. <laughs> anyway, what we need for the rent is 1150 and what we need for expenses is $200, and then another 400 for bills that are due in that week as well. So we're... We're looking out for this week. It would be great to have the $200 to start on the rent and and knowing that, you know, we need to get things done uh, for the rent in a timely way that it happens on the 31st, which is a Wednesday, I believe. I can look. I'll make sure. Nope. It's a Tuesday. So it's happening pretty quick. <laughs> it's. It's 10 days from the day, or the 11. This is the 20th. And uh, so, yeah, we're looking at rent being due. So as we can, um, yeah, dig deep and make it happen, show up as we are committed in those ways at this time. So grateful for all of you, all of you, all of you for um, pitching in and helping out and making it happen in a good way. Uh, So... Here's how we make a donation to Tara and Rama. You want to access the web address to reach Rama's PayPal account. There are two ways to do that, two ways to reach his PayPal account. So that's one way, going to the web address, which is rainbowroundtable.net. Rainbowroundtable.net. 
And if you go there on the home page, you'll see a menu grid up on the page somewhere. You click on that, and that takes you to Rama's PayPal. No, drops down the menu list, and then near the bottom of that list, you'll find a donate link. And you click on the donate button there, and that links you to Rama's PayPal account. And you can make a donation in any amount using your bank card that way. That's a good and easy way to do it. Another way uh, is to just put in Rama's email at PayPal. And first you want to go to paypal.com and then enter who you want to gift with the email address. Is for Rama, Koran, 999949, K-O-R-E-N, 9999, at hotmail.com. And as you put that in and do it that way, that you access the friends option, which eliminates the commercial charges. Either way, it's absolutely perfect. We are so grateful for your donations. Thank you so much. 13 thank yous and honey in the heart. Uh, We are so grateful that we gather each week this way and and we get to receive the information that is sent to us through those sources of Ramas, Antars, and everybody else as we all collaborate together. We all we all can make change. So grateful for all of you. Um, what else? Oh yeah. So if you're sending something, you need to let Rama know you've done so. That email for contacting Rama, Koran K O R A N nine 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 three nine at Comcast dot net. And uh, there you go. And the mailing address as you might need it. Is as follows. It is Ram D. Berkowitz, R A M D. Berkowitz, B E R K O W I T Z, Post Office Box 280 280280. And that's in Santa Cruz, New Mexico. 87567 is the zip code there. And I'll say it again Santa Cruz, New Mexico. 87567. So there you got it, all of the information you need. We're so grateful for all of you. It's it's always a, a good week when we get the rent paid. <laughs> and so we're looking forward to that and moving right into the uh, candle mass season at the same time as we change months. I can't believe we're getting to the near the end of the month like this so fast, but just look at it as getting a little couple extra days working on Sending the money in. <laughs> so, 13 thank yous, honey in the heart. Long life, no evil. And I'm passing this talking stick. And, oh, it's the cosmic one. It's the cosmic deer. So it's got a <laughs> cosmic deer on it. And healing hands. And it's got that divine feminine 13 energy. And that, <laughs> that cosmic energy is 13 as well. Lots of 13 energy. So, and happy Mother's Day to Mother. And uh, <laughs> this talking stick is headed your way with all kinds of starburst and and trumpets and lots of celebrations. So greetings, Tara and Rama. Here comes this talking stick with all kinds of little people attached. <laughs> oh, we'll take that talking stick, little people to boot. Yes, we will. Oh, thank you, Rainbird, for that inspiring 
uh, inspiring work that you always bring to our to our gatherings. Welcome everybody from facts. I mean, station one. <laughs> um, Greetings, everyone. So much, yeah, so much gratitude for where we are in the moment and and of course it's uh, everything at once and nothing at all going on here yes. um, I had a little talk with our sister Sonia today and she was saying that the report about what's going on in Peru is not exactly and so um We'll listen with neutrality to what Jeremy uh, Corbyn's going to say today, because he was a former parliamentarian in in the you know the British Parliament, and he almost head of the Labour Party. Head of the Labour Party, but he ran for prime minister. He should have been one. He should have been he in. He should have been because of the his supporting the Palestinians. It did not happen. Yeah, and uh, it brings up the Julian Assange case again, he does. And just ties it to what I heard today from Rosa of Palestine. Oh, well, what did Rosa from Palestine have to tell us today? Did you turn this light on? Mm. Sleeping kitties. All right. Now you can see better. All right. It's going to be 15 degrees tonight. Not a happy camper, but anyway. Um, Rosa from Palestine was saying that there are so many ships coming over Israel and Palestine, and a huge craft was seen over Turkey in the last day or two and it's about family and friends who are here to complete the story at this time where let's say they are intervening in the affairs of earth whether it's been announced or not it's just happening because the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, as Spock would say. And essentially what she uh, what, what, what Are you talking about the Palestinian situation? Rose is talking about Palestine and the other countries that are, let's say, being taken to the cleaners by these folks sitting in Davros who tell the IMF and the World Bank how the butter is spread on the bread. So what are they doing? What are they doing to the Palestinians? Because of Netanyahu and his extreme right-wing uh, government now. I don't think he went there, did he? 
I don't know if he went there or not. I thought only not. Olaf Schultz from Germany, the chancellor there. He's the only yeah. one of the It's just chancellor. that the Israeli defense forces are unmerciful at this time, where they're just indiscriminately killing Palestinians. And they are. Some of it's getting reported in the news. Some of it is not. Well, see, that's another hologram. They brought the hologram Netanyahu back. Yeah. Hologram Joe, hologram Netanyahu, hologram Hillary. Uh, hologram Trump. Yes, hologram <laughs> Trump. That's true, too. Yes, it is. And uh, so this is uh, in terms of the mind control. Yes. These uh, holograms are still in place uh, as they're a method for the oligarchy to try to hold on to their mind control programming and keep this all going. So that's why I'm wondering. I don't, I don't think Jeremy Corbyn is that, but no, I mean, he denounces what's going on in Ukraine in terms of the Russians, but I don't think he knows what we know. Yeah. And, this and so is, then that makes me wonder, because he's denouncing what's going on about putting um, Castillo, Pedro Castillo, in a prison cell. And uh, Sonia's from Peru, and so she's got a whole family down there. And she's, they're, getting, they're, they're giving her a different story, but again, they probably don't know what's going on as well as could be either no it, it is it's a mess yep blaze the violet fire so we'll call the energies in for the highest good of all concern as we witness to the scenes and uh sonia also told me that the dumbest thing that happened to the young man that was killed by the tasering of the police he was murdered in cold blood in the streets this is a public execution in la but what she said is they had the footage locally and he was running yeah. and the first thing the police are told is to go after them with their guns when somebody runs especially if they're black yes that's true he was not real black. He was uh, a mix, a mixed character. But he was a teacher. Yes. And uh, the reports are that he really did a lot for his students. And he spent a lot of time uh, and created uh, alternative things for them to do so they don't get in trouble in the streets. So, whatever. Then there's a one million march across the French, uh, across France, as the unions strike to oppose cuts in their pensions. And the women's march is going to be tomorrow or Sunday. What women's march? A huge march. Where? I'm not sure. It could be New York City. Uh, Rama, I, you better know what you're talking about. I didn't hear one word about a march for women. Yeah, it's supposed to be all over the country. I forget. Well, uh, Amy would have known that. Yeah, she. I'm surprised she didn't talk about it. Maybe well, I'm, who talked about it that you heard? On BBC News. 
That's over there in England? Yeah. Are you sure they're talking about over here in the United States? Well, there's some kind of march going on over there. It's in, oh. it's in Washington, D.C., and it's on Sunday this year. That Usually uh, around the inauguration, it started when Trump was inaugurated. Right. I remember that. There was, what, three, four million uh, people in that march in the streets. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been going on every year, and it'll be big this year, I believe. There's a, you know, a row effect. Yeah, it's on a Sunday. That's why I got it mixed up. So this Sunday, you're talking about this Sunday, right, yeah. Greenberg? Yes. Okay. Uh, I took note of it because it's usually on the 21st, so it's on Sunday instead, the 22nd. Oh. And All right. And and so I might be wrong, but because no, I normally expect it to be on the 21st, but it is. What I heard, they said on Sunday. That's what I thought I heard. Where did you hear it, Rainbird? I thought I heard it on Amy. You did? Well, maybe (laughs) I didn't, but I think so, because I don't listen to too much other stuff. i got to print out (laughs) the stories. (laughs) Well, I was just, okay, one million march over there in France, um, but they're really upset about getting their pensions cut. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but they have, they're supposed to have their pensions at 62. And so Macron wants to make it 64. So they have to wait two more years and work two more years. They don't like that too much. Mm. Israeli Supreme Court orders Netanyahu to fire minister over. Yeah, this one, they got, they got a, they got a uh, George, um, what's the guy's name? George Santos. Yeah, they got a, one of those over there in Israel. Israel's Supreme Court has ordered Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to remove Arya Derry, the recently approved, appointed far-right interior and health minister? <laughs> what can I say? I'm just, oh my goodness. Yeah, so uh, saying he is not eligible to hold public office due to his multiple criminal convictions. This comes as Netanyahu's new ultra nationalist and ultra-religious coalition attempts to disempower the judiciary. Analysts say the decision could either be, either lead to a constitutional crisis or the dissolution of the week's old government. Oh, that would be good. But Ramas, what was the final point uh, from your message for from today? From just that um, the ships are showing up on Nas in over the whole area of Palestine, Israel, Turkey, that, you know, whole area of the Middle East, and it has to do with the imminent energies coming in from the sun. There were... Um, M-class flares today, and there were fire dragons coming out of the sun. And I have a few pictures of them. And these are 
beings that are made of plasma and they're actually coming out of the sun and going through space towards Earth. And um, this has happened before. Uh, ancient aliens did a episode about this, talking about the dragons and so many stories about them leading back to the um, times before the flood when folks got to know dragons. I, um, my friend Ruth, the white dragon, was one of those. And there's dragons up over there in the Middle East somewhere? No, I'm talking about the fire dragons that are coming out of the sun. They're made oh. of plasma, but they are approaching Earth, and it's to uplift the Earth's energies at this time. So, originally, she came out of the sun. It could be. You don't know that. I. She's never told me that, so I don't really know. And I know that... Uh, some years ago, she said she's starting to wake up from sleeping underneath the island of Kauai. Yeah, she's fully awake now. Well, is she under there, or where is she? I haven't talked to her lately, well, so I got to... maybe you might have call on that, actually. I will call her up, so to speak. Are you planning on going somewhere with a dragon? Could be. Oh, mama. <laughs> I know how to ride dragons. Yeah. This is a a, a very unhealthy thing going on between the United States and Israel. It is. U.S. reaffirms bone deep commitment to Israel after two Palestinians shot dead in Janine raid. Yeah. Yeah, and Biden sent Jake Sullivan over there. U.S. National Security Advisor, he sits down there with that hologram Netanyahu in Jerusalem, and then he goes to visit um, uh, President Mahmoud Abbas in Ramallah, Ramallah, uh, the 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 uh, president of of Palestine, and of course uh, Mahmoud Abbas said, "Can you please?" Uh, put pressure on the new government in Israel to stop killing the Palestinians. No, I, 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 there's no, there's no, uh, you know, the report doesn't even say what happened and what did Sullivan decide to, to do. You know, they just, gosh. We need galactic yeah. intervention. Tremendous need here. Just in January, 17 Palestinians were killed by the IDF forces, including four children. Oh, my. Harvard restores fellowship to former HRW director who criticized Israel's human rights abuses. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We're going to hear that tonight. We're going to hear this tonight. Yes, the Harvard Kennedy School has restored a fellowship offer to Kenneth Roth, the former director of Human Rights Watch, 
after Harvard was blasted for rescinding the offer over Roth's, uh, over, over Roth's and Human Rights Watch's criticism of Israeli human rights abuses. Kevin, Kenneth Roth appeared on Democracy Now! earlier this month to warn against the chilling effect of Harvard's initial decision. And this is what he said, this is a very serious problem. I mean, it's not just a problem for me personally. This is not, you know, impeding my career in any significant way. Yet I think about, you know, first of all, the younger academics who don't have the visibility that I do, who are going to take from this lesson the view that as you touch Israel, as you criticize Israel, that can be a career-killing, a career-killing move. You'll get canceled, and that's a disastrous signal to send to the younger ones, young people. Colombia to end new government contracts for oil and gas drilling. That sounds good. Well, so we'll continue this. Uh, yes, two indigenous, oh boy, two indigenous Pataxo land defenders shot dead in Brazil. Lula just gets started down there. In Brazil, two indigenous Pataxo land defenders were murdered Tuesday hmm. in the municipality of Itabela. 17-year-old Nawir Brito de Jesus and 25-year-old Samuel Cristiano do Amor Divino. Oh, they're young. They were traveling to a farm as gunmen on a motorcycle shot them in the back, mm. according to witnesses. The Pataxo people have faced intense conflicts with <coughs> local ranchers who have invaded their land. This comes as loggers and ranchers in the Amazon rainforest in an effort to halt deforestation. I'm sorry, this comes as the government of President Luis Inácio Lula de Silva has launched a series of raids, ah, that's right, in search mm -hmm. of illegal loggers and ranchers in the Amazon rainforest in an effort to halt their de deforestation, which skyrocketed under the far-right former president Jair Bolsonaro. I didn't even ever, never heard if he got out of the hospital. He was in. I think he got out of the hospital. Oh, that's good. Where is he still down there in Florida, though, right? He's hanging out in Orlando. Yeah, that's. Uh, hmm. Anyway, this is the anti deforestation missions leader. His name is Givan. Lido Givanildo da Santos. 
the mm -hmm. rhetoric of the former government created a mindset among people that led many to invade areas and deforest them, planting farms and thinking that the government would eliminate indigenous lands and legalize these invasions for cattle production. Yeah. And the Supreme Court fails to identify leaker of the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade. Ooh. And I think it's Sam Alito that did it. It could be. I mean, these mm. folks are... I mean... <clears throat> they've sworn their allegiance to the false god from the Vatican, which is the fallen angels. Mm-hmm, that's true. Yes. So the constitutional right of, to abortion is in, in the balance of that fight. Yeah, that's what the Vatican has to say about stuff, you know, women. Okay, so... The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they were saying this weekend, that's why they're having the Women's March, huh, Rainbird? This weekend, they're having it on Sunday, okay. Would have been the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Since the ruling was overturned, 12 states have enacted total abortion bans. 12 states so far. Uh, this is showing us wh what intervention is going to look like here, everybody. All right, so we'll continue this, but to, let's take a little break and let's go to speak uh, to everybody on the conference call. What's the number, Rama? 720-716-7300. Uh, and the PIN code? 353-863-POUND. All right. We'll see you on the conference, everybody, to continue. And we'll be right back here at BBS Radio, the best radio there is uh, in the universe, at the top of the next hour. So see you then, everyone. See you on the conference now. Namaste.
precious heart. Thank you for joining us for our weekly vlog. With the powerful changes that have taken place within our earthly bodies during the past few months, we are now ready at a cellular level for the next step in the integration of our I am presence. Today, the company of heaven is going to guide us through an activity of light that will help all of us to accomplish this deeper integration. If you have the heart call to participate in this powerful opportunity on behalf of yourself and the rest of humanity, please join with me and lightworkers around the world now. This activity of light is going to be stated in the first person so that we will each experience it personally, simultaneously, as instruments of God. We are going to serve as surrogates on behalf of every son and daughter of God evolving on this planet. And we begin. I am sitting comfortably in my chair with my arms and legs uncrossed and my spine is as straight as possible. I am instantly relaxed and peaceful. I empty my mind of all of the thoughts of the day and for this moment I go within and focus my attention on the fully balanced and recalibrated immortal victorious threefold flame within my heart. I have walked through the challenges of my earthly experiences into the glory of a new day filled with the full gathered momentum of heaven on earth. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. I am my I am presence and I am one with my Father, Mother, God. I am also one with the I am presence of every man, woman, and child on earth. As I breathe my elevated holy breath, I realize that humanity, the elemental kingdom, and Mother Earth are breathing in unison with me. The perfect balance of my Father Mother God has returned to Earth. And due to the miraculous changes that have taken place within my earthly bodies since the birth of this new decade, 2020, my I am presence is standing in readiness now to take further dominion of my thoughts, feelings, words, and actions. With this inner knowing, I realize that I now have the ability to become the full manifestation of my I am presence while I am still embodied on planet Earth. This literally means that my I am presence is able to integrate into the core of purity in every atomic and subatomic particle and wave of my earthly bodies. As this occurs within me, it simultaneously occurs within the earthly bodies of every man, woman, and child belonging to or serving the earth at this time. 
as I focus now on my newly balanced, elevated holy breath. This integration begins gently occurring within my physical, etheric, mental, and emotional bodies at a cellular level. Every electron, every atom, every subatomic particle and wave of my earthly bodies and all of the spaces in between the atoms and molecules of my earthly bodies are being filled with these, the immaculate concept and the divine potential of my glorious I am presence. My thoughts, feelings, words, and actions begin to reflect the comprehensive divine love, the power, and the unity consciousness of my Father, Mother, God. This transfiguration is changing my physical reality into the love-based perfection of the new earth. This is a unique gift, a sacred opportunity, and it is being presented to every man, woman, and child on earth right here and right now. I contemplate this truth, and as this sacred knowledge resonates in my heart of hearts, I experience my perfectly balanced, immortal, victorious, threefold flame expanding and expanding. The divine balance of my Father God's blue flame of power, my Mother God's pink flame of comprehensive divine love, and the Son and Daughter of God's yellow-gold flame of unity consciousness is now enveloping my earthly bodies. In the full embrace of my threefold flame, my integrated I am presence as an empowered instrument of God now lovingly commands all remaining residue from my fallen human ego and my lower consciousness of separation and duality to be instantaneously released from my physical, etheric, mental and emotional bodies and transmuted back into light. Fallen human ego and lower consciousness, I am the I am presence of your being. I love you and I am grateful for the opportunity you have provided for growth and learning during my earthly sojourns. But now, I command you into the light. Fallen human ego and lower consciousness, with the divine power and love that I am, I command you now to release my physical body and return to the light. Release my etheric body and return to the light. Release my mental body and return 
to the light. Release my emotional body and return to the light. Falling human ego and lower consciousness, I now love you free. Ascend into the higher schools of learning and be transfigured back into your original divine perfection. My I am presence now steps into the full authority of my four earthly bodies and my vehicles are gently raised into the perfection of my fifth dimensional crystalline solar light bodies. I am instantly lifted in consciousness into the fifth dimensional frequency of light in the realms of infinite physical perfection. This is the realm where my I am presence abides. It stands forth now as a complete God being within the glorious multicolored multidimensional radiance of my fifth dimensional crystalline solar I am presence. My heart, mind and voice are centered within the 12 fold solar aspects of my I am presence. Within this wondrous force field of light, my I am presence gently assimilates and activates my 12 fifth dimensional crystalline solar strands of DNA to the next level. My feet are planted firmly on earth and simultaneously I am one with all of the ascended realms of infinite perfection. I am a God being of resplendent light, now realizing the fullness of that light on every level of my being as an empowered instrument of God. As I am lifted up, all light is being lifted up with me. Therefore, I know that within my I am presence, I am now all of humanity, standing forth and realizing that we are sons and daughters of God. This means we are beloved and empowered God beings, instruments of God in every realm of consciousness and that all our Father, Mother, God have is ours. With the higher integration of our I am presence and our 12 fifth dimensional crystalline solar strands of DNA, the latent abilities encoded within our DNA are being activated within each of us. The cosmic flame of unity consciousness is now liberating our Father Mother God's light in every physical and chemical interaction within our earthly bodies. This 
is healing and restoring all of the energy bonds within atoms and between atoms to the vibrational frequency of infinite physical perfection. I know with all of the faith of my integrated I am presence that encoded within this higher activation of my fifth dimensional crystalline solar strands of DNA and Mother Earth's new contingency plan is the sacred knowledge that will transfigure my earthly bodies, the elemental kingdom, and the entire physical plane of Mother Earth. This divine wisdom contains everything necessary to set straight the orbit, spin, and electronic charge of every cell, atom, and electron of life on Earth. I feel all energy bonds within the atomic realm now accelerating in vibration toward the frequency of infinite physical perfection. Every cell of life is now receiving and assimilating the sacred knowledge encoded within the higher activation of our 12 fifth dimensional crystalline solar strands of DNA and Mother Earth's new contingency plan. Every person's I am presence is now liberating this sacred knowledge into every interaction within humanity and all of the energy bonds therein. These interactions include the relationships of all people, all organizations, all races, all religions, and all nations. All of these interactions are now being liberated into the harmony of a higher order of being, greatly expanding the influence of humanity's solar I am presence on Earth. Through my fifth dimensional DNA, I now receive clearly the divine promptings, ideas, and concepts of my I am presence. I am now a living light-filled temple of invincible perfection, an empowered instrument of God, expressing the enlightened state of unity consciousness as well as God's will, comprehensive divine love, vibrant health, infinite abundance, eternal youth, vitality, joy, and all of the other divine qualities pulsating in the causal body of God. I am my I am presence, now tangibly manifesting on earth as an instrument of God. I gently return my consciousness to the room. I become aware of my body and as I breathe my elevated holy breath in and out, slowly and deeply, 
I allow these divine energies to be assimilated at a cellular level into my physical, etheric, mental, and emotional bodies. Now, I breathe in deeply and revel in the bliss of this moment on earth. And I am grateful. I am grateful. I am eternally grateful. Beloved Father, Mother, God, all that is, I am. And so it is. Dear one, contemplate the magnitude of what is occurring within your earthly bodies through your I am presence. Allow this new level of sacred knowledge that is encoded within your fifth dimensional DNA to begin registering in your heart and your conscious mind. This will happen naturally when you take the time to go within and listen intuitively. God bless you, dear one. I look forward to being with you next week. heart is a precious heart. Every heart is a heart of sacred space. Your entourage is here with you. Your entourage, you, 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 beloved, is the sacred heart of Yeshua, of Mary. And open the gate. Open the gate to yourself. Every heart is a precious heart. Every heart is a heart of sacred space. Your entourage is here with you, your entourage. You, 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 beloved, is the sacred heart of Yeshua, of Mary. And open the gate, open the gate to yourself. Take a deep breath in. They are with you, with you, with you. Yes, beloved. There is another paradigm, another shift, another ascension, perhaps, for each soul on earth. You are never alone, you are never left on sight to unknown. The love of God is one. The love of God is one. The love of God is you. <laughs> I am crying from the service. I am crying. <laughs> Magnetic service. Could it be that one soul search for another soul, a tribe, a light, a friend, a good friend? I am Kryon. I am with you right now. Whoever listened, I love you. Mm-hmm. Within the circle, in the circle. 
I spoke many times, not only of this gathering. I spoke in Europe, in Asia, in Africa. I spoke with many souls on many occasions. I spoke to light beingnesses like you in every channel, in every moment. I tend to say, I love you, I know you, dear old soul, I know you, and there is no one else in the whole world which I can't see in light, in love, with earth. I am crying. I am in love with humans. I am in love with you, beloved, with you. Don't listen if you don't want to, to those who are saying, hey, you're not supposed to. You don't belong. Don't listen to those who are saying you are not allowed. Don't listen. So what is crying for us, light workers for the next generations yet to accomplish? I spoke with you in your dream about the future. Do you remember your dream? Do you remember a dream? Maybe you were with star family, with Yes, you. I remember your dream. I remember your dream. You had something. Yes, in your dream you had something. A gift. A precious gift. And that precious gift of your heart Meant to be shared, beloved, meant to be shared. You don't remember. May I remind you? It was love, compassion. And it's not a dream any longer. Yes, it's not a dream because it's the paradigm where we live right now. Memorial Atlantean. We were born in this part of ascension on earth. You are well known on our side. You have the body to look after. So look after your body, beloved. Look after your body. Sleep well. Eat well. Open your heart for yourself, for yourself, for yourself. Open your heart. Open the gate to miracle. What is the miracle? Who I belong. 
also I am matter with you all. Just gathering a wishful gathering for peace on earth. I was with you that Yeshua my beloved and the star was born. I was with you when you were taking the first steps into your heart today. At the gate we met for the first time perhaps. For the first time I whispered to your ear, I am Mary. And you said, I know you, Mary. I know you. Maybe not by your name, Mary, but I know your frequency, I know the love, the peacefulness, the graciousness. That's the gift which you are sharing with others on earth. You don't have to. You don't want to. You don't need to. Follow others, beloved. You are yourself. I am man with you. In the future, when earth is bright, when people holding hands, where children are awakened fully. To the glory of God in them. Where people are friendly to each other. Where Namaste is the first thought in the morning. I see you there with us below. I see you there. Sacred circle today. Just because you join us now. Just because you said to yourself, I want to listen. To cry on perhaps on to your entourage. Mary, I am your friend. Mary, I am your remembrance from the future. I am Mary in love with every soul, every indigenous wisdom in you. The wisdom of ancient the wisdom of all souls, I see, open to many people 
分别谁。To say I love God in me, that be please don't be on the other side. You are spiritual being. It means that you know light in you. It means that you know yourself as the aspect of source itself. Know I am with you all day, all day, all day I am in your heart. When the crossroad appear in your life, don't deny your divine right to say, I don't know where to belong family. I don't know where to stop. Everything what you do, stop. Be in humbleness. Graciousness, as long as it's needed, let the angel, Yeshua, provide for you information, guidance. New paradigms. Take a day, two, or even a month, and be a spiritual person. <sighs> Garden. I spoke in many gatherings. I spoke with you when you were asleep. Do you remember now? Do you remember the source, the oneness, isness in your dream? Nothing else, everything. Everything is nothing. And from this moment, yes, I'm talking with you from this moment. Please do not deny the spiritual side of your teachings. Sacred spells. It's not from the thought or even the will. It's not even I want to, I have to, I must. As Mary says, she is with you from the future right now. She is with you from the future. That's the quantum life. Obey any rules, someone said to my channel years ago, and she said, yes. And her life changed. She said, I don't want to 
many times to me and said, but I want to learn who I am. That's enough. Say to Yeshua, I want to learn who I am in new earth. I might be wrong, I might don't understand what's happening, where I'm going. Am I old soul or not? I don't understand these words. It's new for me, but I know that I'm on search. I want to search for something greater in my life. I'm on search for God. I'm there with you. I love you. guidance is I speak with many I speak with you directly you are loved We are all servants of peace here. And for the highest of good of all concerned. Greetings, Mother. Tigger's here, ushering you in. Greetings. In the light. In the light of the most radiant one. In the office of the Christ. And of the Christ. We invoke the loving energies of Saint Germain and the Violet Flame. We ask at this time, Mother, for the highest good of all concern to happen here. There are upheavals everywhere, in every direction. Uh, may the force be with us all. Sarah now, peace now, world peace now. <laughs> Pass the talking to, to you, mother. Reading, children of Ra. Yes, we like pea soup. Pea soup? Oh, Lisa Gar was saying that makes me not feel very good. I can't eat peas. 
Oh. <laughs> but world peace will do. Yes. <laughs> world peace. Now, yeah. indeed. Upheavals are the story that's going on. Great shifting of the ages. The time is now for this to occur with our son saw all the things going on right now parallel to what happened 26,000 years ago Time for us to collect our children. Where are you going to put them, Mother? <laughs> it is in the interest, the best interest for the residents of this local galaxy and universe of Nepeton that they go and take what's coming in the arbitration on Draco's Is there arbitration going on on Draco's at the moment? Uh, I'd say that things are about to commence as you're watching all the bowling pins going down. Oh, strikes? Yes. These 13 families broke nowhere to go but into the high heart. Kindness, compassion, forgiveness for what has occurred. It's not in their nature to forgive. No. This is a quite a quandary. And let's say things will get sorted out in the trial that will be for everyone to see on Draco's.
energies right now are as high as they can go without things going awry within the present bodies. The plasma light is being absorbed into our bodies as fast as we allow these energies to come in. The more we resist the light coming in, things get more difficult with our thoughts. The stuff happening right now, waves of energy, it's affecting the people as more light pours in. Those that aren't awake, it stirs the pot. I feel uncomfortable and send more love. This is this moment as all the planets go direct. Next two, three days, things are going to escalate even further as the light pours in. This moving forward, as it was said, Everything is moving forward at quantum light speed. As you will hear, much more will come out about the stargates and the various groups of folks across our local galaxy I have a role to play in how peace comes about here. This story here is a great one. So many diverse cultures from across many galaxies have come 
to seed life forms on this planet, Gaia, by Wamas. And this has been going on since the Watchers first appeared. Now, everything has culminated to this time that we are ascending with these bodies and let's say as things escalate with the solar flares and energies pouring in from the other aspects angles of how radiant light pours in as you know the various planets suns are all living beings and they affect us they affect the planet, the interactions of the relationship between each planet and our sun is a great story. So many adventures throughout these various pathways in in the next few nanoseconds we can say it will meet the families from Venus Venus is a let's say sister to earth and all the folks on Venus have ascended and it is about the wisdom that the 14 Kumaras bring to this planet of peace, tranquility, and love. It is in our best interest to embrace the qualities His Holiness Kundun is bringing forth. It's how we bring peace in our sight ourselves there is this great movement across this planet this one his holiness still not sure whether he wants to stick around for the ascension or go across the rainbow bridge 
will just say he knows. There is a lot happening. It's about how we work with the energies to raise ourselves up and it affects everything else. The interrelationships of how we interact with each other and the planets. You can have a conversation with the planets as you interact with them. Can go there, experience what it's like to be on Saturn or Titan, Uranus, Pluto, All these living beings of radiant light. As we get to know our family from this solar system, there is so much that is coming forth. And let's say it is a whole nother education about how we interact with the rest of the galaxy and solar system, 26 other galaxies. And hmm, let's say right now this wisdom is coming through the particles from the sun. This green comet that has come into view has a lot to tell us about the various ways the beings of light that are here to raise this planet up and as we embrace the light pouring in we get raised up as well it's a tremendous time to be alive. It is a good day to be here. Right now, on this planet, there is this great movement to try to twist the timelines. Mm -hmm and keep things as they are. Or worse, Mother. 
I mean, worse. It's, it's apparent that the, uh, I mean, the Republicans are, are attempting to crash the whole thing. What they will not accept or embrace is their own divinity that they sold for a dime. And it is between them and their own creator source all that is. We create our karma and it is that time that we do the wisdom of sending love and compassion to all the situations going on right now The dark side knows entirely their time's up. This timeline is over. And with it, their twilight. This is why we say it is extremely imminent that they will be leaving en masse. You all will see it. It is about the ascension frequencies that are going on. We come in peace. We started this story a long time ago. 26,826 years ago, the arrival of Nibiru. It's time again to collect our children and be on our way. Oh, Mother. Persistence is certainly with us. We're uh, as patient as it can be. 26,000 years is a drop we, in the ocean, in the sea of time. Well, this one's going to be four times longer, so you guys 100,000. Yeah. Peace, Mother. Are we going to get bored? Isn't that what happened at the beginning? Yes, there are stories out there about this complacency of when you're in that ascended Yuga state. Uh, What else is there to do? except um, hmm, get a little hmm, kinky. No. This time, not going to happen. That's what got us 
here in the first place. No, there's there are people ready for ascension all over the world, Mother. Yes. Authentic, true love at the highest Can't level. Can't get bored in no. a hundred thousand years of peace. <laughs> oh my God, I get giddy. It's there are adventures upon adventures within these temples of living radiance that are so magnificent as Cryon speaks about. There are many that bring these energies through right now as we could paint the picture so many folks are here elbow room only between the angels and masters I surround this planet and right in our midst these sacred talking circles across the planet council fires angels and masters beyond measure because we asked to change this story from one of samsara to one of peace and enough sadness time for ecstasy and joy we better be on our way you know there's a bill of Military base over there in Greenland, Mother. Oh, Greenland. That's and that another. place is melting like nobody's business. And let's say it is about this climate disruption, consciousness raising in the conflict. And who is to say what it was like not so long ago when Earth had a different orbit and you had paradise and everybody was in uh, balance with their energies, including the animals. No hmm, eating of each other. After the flood, things got a little wonky. None of that now. We know there's a lot. 
everyone to embrace, integrate at these times. We understand, overstand, understand what it's like for humanity to go through this stuff. Not so easy to ascend, yet we ask to be here, and uh, we're going to make it so, as the captain would say. Yeah, there's there's all these upheavals going on, on an ongoing basis, and I would say on a world basis, the people have said enough. (coughs) Enough. Yes. Empire. Empire. Empires are always doomed to fall. Yeah, we don't want to keep on building new ones, do we? No. (laughs) That is part of the old matrix system. This is why the folks that sit on that council at Antares Arcturus Midway Station with Metatron Time for peace. I was just going to say that Rupert Murdoch Fox News Empire is having a little trouble itself, too. (laughs) (laughs) We will keep our words clean about Mr. Murdoch. Oh, he's 91, I think, now. This... $1.6 billion Dominion voting systems defamation lawsuit against Fox News. That's the company that makes the voting machines. This transmission of false stories It's about clouding the consciousness of the people. It's Maya. Send more love. Greetings in the light of the most radiant one. Adios, adios, adios. Adonai, Savail. Adios, adios, adios. We'll teach our children well, won't we, Mother? I think David Crosby wrote that. So he's coming to visit you, Mother. 
chilly right about here. Very chilly. <laughs> oh, I went up to Taos Mountain. It is cold. Oh, is that where you went? Yes. Oh, I haven't been there in a long time, Mother. In physical. Oh, some kind of council meeting going on there with various Ashtar command members. Really? Inside the mountain about the imminent energies pouring in as disclosure is about to show up in earnest. It's big. What's going to show up, Ray? Disclosure about um, what folks have seen, what they've experienced. It's time that we have a worldwide council about... um, About our brothers and sisters and here to help out a bit. Yeah, the folks from Pluto, the folks from Saturn... All family. Well, it's gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm. We're gonna see some funny looks on a few people's faces in the political stratosphere. Mother, Marty Rama. <laughs> what can I say? I passed the talking stick. Yeah, that's true. Confusion amongst us, huh? All right, we're going to hold a divine neutral space and have a listen here for the highest good. This is intense, what Amy has to say. It is, and as I was saying earlier, Sonia was saying that things are a little different than what's being said up here. So we just remain neutral. British MP and former Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn has traveled to Washington, D.C. 
where he's calling for WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange to finally be set free and for Britain not to extradite him to the United States. Mr. Corbyn in D.C. Then we go to Atlanta, where the battle over a new police training center has turned deadly, as police fatally shoot a forest defender protesting plans to build what's known as Cop City. Gunfire was heard at 9.04 a.m. About a dozen shots fired in rapid succession, followed by a loud boom about a minute later. For hours after the murder of Torbenita, police continued to hunt, assault, and arrest our brave forest defenders. And we speak to Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors about the death of her 31-year-old cousin, Keenan Anderson, a 10th grade English teacher who died after being repeatedly tased by the LAPD. He was one of three men killed by the Los Angeles police within 48 hours. All that and more coming up. Welcome to Democracy Now!, <clears throat> democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. The Biden administration and some of its European allies have pledged new heavy weaponry to Ukraine, including howitzers, missile defense systems, and first-time shipments of armored vehicles. On Thursday, the Pentagon said its new $2.5 billion military aid package will include dozens of Bradley fighting vehicles and striker-armed personnel carriers. The Pentagon stopped short of shipping M1 Abrams battle tanks, as Ukraine had requested, and Germany has so far refused to send Leopard 2 tanks sought by Kyiv. In Moscow, Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov warned the U.S. and NATO against arming Ukraine with tanks. Uh, this is potentially extremely dangerous. This would mean taking the conflict to a new level, which of course will not bode well from the point of view of global and European security. Meanwhile, the Washington Post reports CIA Director William Burns traveled secretly to Kyiv last week to personally brief President Volodymyr Zelensky on Russia's military plans in the coming weeks and months, particularly talking about a potential spring offensive. In Peru, thousands of protesters demanding the resignation of interim president Dina Boluarte took to the streets of the capital, Lima, Thursday, where they were met with brutal force from riot police and swirls of tear gas. This was the sixth straight week of mass protests since the ouster and arrest of leftist president Pedro Castillo in December. Over 50 people have been killed in clashes with Peruvian security forces. This is Jose de la Rosa, one of the protesters in Lima. We want the usurper Dina Bolarte to step down and call for new elections. The protests will continue. The south of the country is in an uprising at the moment. We came to Lima from all the southern regions. Bolarte spoke at a news conference Thursday where she praised police and accused protesters of instigating violence and chaos. That was not a peaceful protest. The violent acts that occurred in December and January will not go unpunished. 
In France, over one million people marched in the streets of cities, including Paris, Marseille, and Nice on Thursday, as labor unions held a nationwide strike against plans by President Emmanuel Macron to raise the age of retirement from 62 to 64. In Paris, more than three dozen people were arrested after police tear gas protesters from Bastille Square. This is a trade union leader, Laurent Esquire. We want to have a good retirement. We don't want to retire broke, tired, broken. We want to enjoy our last years with our children, our grandchildren, maybe with our parents who have to be taken care of. So it is a message of social justice that we want today. If the government does not come to its senses, there will be more strikes to follow. That is why we appeal to reason and not to make the choice of irresponsible and to choose the voice of reason. In the United Kingdom, unions have condemned a bill proposed by conservatives that would allow the state to break strikes of public sector workers by ensuring they maintain minimum services during work stoppages. Workers violating the bill could lose their jobs, their unions could be sued. Labor leaders have condemned the bill as undemocratic, unworkable, and illegal. They're planning to mobilize over 100,000 civil servants in a one-day strike February 1st. Israel's Supreme Court has ordered Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to remove Aryeh Delhi, the recently appointed far-right interior and health minister, saying he's not eligible to hold public office due to his multiple criminal convictions. This comes as Netanyahu's new ultra-nationalist, ultra-religious coalition attempts to disempower the judiciary. Analysts say the decision could either lead to a constitutional crisis or the dissolution of the week's old government. On Thursday, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan met with Netanyahu in Jerusalem, where Sullivan reiterated Biden's bone-deep commitment to Israel. Sullivan also met with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas in Ramallah, who called on the U.S. to put pressure on the new Israeli government to halt the killing of Palestinians and its plans to expand illegal settlements. The meeting came as Israeli forces killed two more Palestinians during a raid in Jenin Thursday. The victims were identified as 26-year-old Adam Jabarin and 57-year-old Jawad Farid Bawakta, a high school teacher, father of six, who was delivering first aid to Jabarin when he was shot dead by a sniper. At least 17 Palestinians have been killed by Israeli forces this year, including four children. The Harvard Kennedy School has restored its fellowship offer to Kenneth Roth, the former director of Human Rights Watch, after Harvard was blasted for rescinding the author over Roth's and Human Rights Watch's criticism of Israeli human rights abuses. Kenneth Roth appeared on Democracy Now! earlier this month to warn against the chilling effect of Harvard's initial decision. This is a very serious problem. I mean, it's not just a problem for me personally. This is not, you know, impeding my career in a significant way. But I think about, you know, first of all, the younger academics who don't have, you know, the visibility that I do, who are going to take from this lesson the view that if you touch Israel, if you criticize Israel, that can be a career-killing move. You'll get canceled. And that's a disastrous signal to send. To see our full interview with Kenneth Roth, Go to democracynow.org. Colombia's government has pledged it will no longer award new contracts to drill for oil and gas as President Gustavo Petro seeks to fulfill a campaign promise to transition Colombia away from fossil fuels. Colombia's Energy and Mines Minister, Irene Vélez, spoke Thursday at the World Economic Forum in Davos. This 
decidimos también We have decided that we are not going to enter into new gas and oil exploration contracts. This has of course been very controversial at the national level. But for us, this is a clear sign of our commitment to the fight against climate change because we know that this decision is a planetary decision that is absolutely urgent and needs immediate action. In Brazil, two indigenous Patachó land defenders were murdered Tuesday in the municipality of Itabela. 17-year-old Nawir Brito de Jesus and 25-year-old Samuel Cristiano do Moa Givino were traveling to a farm when gunmen on a motorcycle shot them in the back, according to witnesses. The Patachó people have faced intense conflicts with local ranchers who've invaded their land. This comes as the government of President Luis Inácio Lula da Silva has launched a series of raids in search of illegal loggers and ranchers in the Amazon rainforest in an effort to halt deforestation, which skyrocketed under the far-right former president, Jair Bolsonaro. This is the anti-deforestation mission's leader. The rhetoric of the former government created a mindset among people that led many to invade areas and deforest them, planting farms and thinking that the government would eliminate indigenous lands and legalize these invasions for cattle production. Back in the United States, the Supreme Court said Thursday... It is unable to identify the person responsible for leaking the draft opinion on Dobbs last year, which overturned Roe v. Wade or the constitutional right to abortion. The court conducted over 100 interviews as part of the investigation in one of the worst breaches in Supreme Court history. At least 90 people had access to the opinion before it was publicly released. This weekend would have been the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Since the ruling was overturned, 12 states have enacted total abortion in Texas, prisoners across the state have been on a hunger strike for 10 days to protest indefinite solitary confinement. In some cases, people have been held in solitary confinement for decades. Human rights groups, including the UN, have said the practice amounts to torture. In New Mexico, prosecutors in Santa Fe are charging Alec Baldwin with two counts of involuntary manslaughter over the killing last year of cinematographer Helena Hutchins by a loaded prop gun on the set of the film Rust. The film's armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, will also be charged with involuntary manslaughter. Baldwin's lawyers vowed to fight the charges. SAG-AFTRA, the union representing many Hollywood actors and other film and media professionals, also condemned the decision to hold Baldwin, who was also a producer on the film responsible for Hutchins' death, saying, quote, an actor's job is not to be a firearms or weapons expert. Google's announced plans to lay off 12,000 workers with immediate effect, affecting about 6% of the company's workforce. Google's CEO announced the layoffs this morning, just two days after Amazon and Microsoft announced layoffs affecting a combined 28,000 people. And the legendary musician David Crosby has died at the age of 81. The singer, guitarist, songwriter was a pivotal member of two of the most influential bands of the 60s, The Birds and Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. In 2011, David Crosby came on to Democracy Now! in the studio with longtime collaborator Graham Nash shortly after they performed at Occupy Wall Street in New York. He talked about his longtime opposition to nuclear power. The second part is that human beings make mistakes. That gave us Chernobyl, that gave us Three Mile Island. Uh, Mother Nature can kick our butts anytime she wants to. That gave us Fukushima. Uh, it's not safe 
There are two plants in California right on the beach. One of them's on a fault line. It's 50 miles to windward of my house. I, I, I keep, uh, I sort of look that way to make sure I, can, I spot the plume when it happens. Uh, it's, it, there's nothing safe about it, and there's nothing green about poisoning your country. During their appearance on Democracy Now!, David Crosby and Graham Nash also performed part of Crosby's song, What Are Their Names? Who are the men who really run this land? And why do they run it with such a thoughtless hand? What are their names? And on what streets do they live? I'd like to ride right home this afternoon again. Let a peace of my mind about peace for mankind. Peace is not an awful lot to ask. David Crosby and Graham Nash in our Democracy Now! studios in 2011. To see the whole interview, you can go to democracynow.org. David Crosby has died at the age of 81. We'll play more of his music later in the broadcast. And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. We begin today's show with British MP and former Labor Party leader Jeremy Corbyn. He's in the United States to take part in the Belmarsh Tribunal today in Washington, D.C. The tribunal is focused on the imprisonment of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, who's been languishing for close to four years in the harsh Belmarsh prison in London while appealing extradition to the United States. If convicted, Assange could face up to 175 years in jail in the United States for publishing documents that expose war crimes in Iraq and Afghanistan. Other participants in today's Belmarsh Tribunal include Noam Chomsky, Pentagon Papers whistleblower Dan Ellsberg, and Assange's father, John Sifton. Democracy Now! will be live streaming the tribunal at 2 p.m. Eastern at democracynow.org. I'll be co-chairing the tribunal. The Belmarsh Tribunal is being held as pressure is growing on President Biden to drop the charges against Assange. Five major newspapers that collaborated with the WikiLeaks over the publication of the leaked documents recently appealed to the Biden administration to drop the charges. In an open letter, the New York Times, The Guardian, Le Monde, El País, and Der Spiegel joined together to say publishing is not a crime. British MP Jeremy Corbyn joins us now in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to Democracy Now! It's great to have you with us. Pleasure to be here, Amy. So if you can talk, you've come uh, from across the pond, you've come from Britain, where Julian Assange is imprisoned. He's being held there because the U.S. has demanded his extradition, and it looks like they're in the final stages of making that decision. Can you talk about why you feel it was important to make this trip and why Julian Assange's case is so important? Well, Julian has spent his life as a journalist um, investigating uncomfortable truths and ensuring that they are published. And he's the one that exposed the war crimes that went on in Iraq and Afghanistan 
and he did it because he believes that uh, we all have a right to know what our forces and our governments do at the end of the day in our name. He was then uh, sought by the United States under the Espionage Act. He took refuge in the Ecuadorian Embassy in London where he was for several years living there. Not a great place to be living. No criticism of the Ecuadorian president at the time. And uh, then the government changed in Ecuador and uh, he was then removed from the embassy, arrested and um, placed in prison eventually. And he's now been four years, as you quite rightly say, in Belmarsh prison, fighting the extradition request from the United States. And uh, his conditions in Belmarsh are awful. It is a maximum security prison where he has to share his cell and his life with people who are convicted of very, very serious crimes indeed. We are standing up for the right to know. We're standing up for journalism. And the Belmarsh Tribunal today here in Washington is a plea to people, particularly in the United States, who believe in free speech, who believe in the right to know, who believe that journalists should be protected in going about their work, and to drop the appeal against the uh, uh, decision made by a British court that uh, he was not fit to travel and therefore it should not be allowed to go to the United States. And um, we are making that plea. We ask thinking people in the United States, thinking people who value the freedom of speech and freedom of the press, to speak out now in support of Julian Assange. And that's what we'll be doing this afternoon here in Washington. You met with uh, Bernie Sanders yesterday, um, the uh, independent Vermont senator who just gave a major address on the state of the working class in the United States. Um, did you raise the issue of Julian Assange? And if, if you can share his position, what you talked about. The meeting with um, uh, Senator Sanders was um, entirely about industrial issues and class politics, and we had a good discussion on all of that. And uh, we discussed the wave of strikes in the United Kingdom, which you mentioned in your excellent news report, and of course the wave of strikes in France, and the need for the left across the world to be stronger in its anti-austerity politics, not just to manage our economies, but to change them. And how are you coordinating um, as you are a part of Progressive International um, and so is Senator Sanders? How do you coordinate, strengthen that response? <clears throat> Uh, progressive International is a coming together of progressive forces um, around the world. We're working very closely with people in Brazil, in Colombia, in Chile, in Peru, in Bolivia, and all over Latin America, as well as many European groups and people in other parts of the world. The uh, <clears throat> falling living standards in many countries as a result of 12 years of austerity in Britain have uh, finally met with big industrial actions and February the 1st in Britain will be a day of big industrial action. We're coordinating our message across the world because essentially the economic thinking that is now being played out in Davos, the economic thinking that comes from the excuse me, International Monetary Fund and World Bank is exactly the same, that the way out of this crisis is to lower the tax, as it's called, burden on the richest people in order to create trickle-down economics. It simply doesn't work. 
what we're facing is a plethora of food banks in Britain. There are now more food banks than there are branches of McDonald's and increasing levels of poverty. And you know what? In all of the demonstrations of rail workers, mail workers, communications workers of all sorts, um, civil servants and teachers, many other groups join those demonstrations representing poverty, homelessness, migrants and refugees. This is a campaign for social justice and decency and we of course coordinating across national borders. Economic thinking doesn't stop at national borders. We mentioned at the top of our uh, news headlines uh, this union uh, anti-union bill that's been proposed by conservatives that would allow the state to break strikes of public sector workers by ensuring they maintain uh, so-called minimum services. Workers violating the bill could lose their jobs, their unions could be sued. Um, can you talk about what you're doing in Britain? You're the former Labour leader. You're still a member of the parliament. Yes, this piece of legislation has been produced in panic by the government, who are giving, if the legislation is passed, the Secretary of State powers to decide what are minimal service levels that must be guaranteed legally on railways, mail, teaching and so on, all, the, all those industries where the strike action is being taken. It has gone through the first stage in Parliament where it was given um, its introduction vote, what's called the second reading vote in Britain, and it goes to the detailed committee stage on the 30th of January in Parliament. We will oppose the bill because it's an infringement of the right to strike. We believe it's contrary to the provisions of the International Labour Organization Convention. And what it will do is put union funds and union officials and union leaders in legal jeopardy unless they obey an order to maintain a minimal level of service. And it will lead to the, ultimately, legal action being taken against them. We've been here before in Britain when many years ago the Conservative government of Ted Heath in the 1970s tried exactly the same thing, indeed imprisoned trade unionists, and those trade unionists were released because there was massive industrial action in their support. We're heading down exactly the same road at the present time. The government could solve this very quickly. It could simply accept that uh, those who work in all those key services have been impoverished by frozen or falling wages over the past 12 years. And poverty does stalk the land. And there are more billionaires than ever in Britain. There's more inequality than almost ever before. And what is your demand to change direction? And what is your response to the current Labour leader? You are the former Labour leader, uh, Sir Keir Starmer, uh, firing a junior shadow transport minister who joined striking rail workers on a picket line. It was completely wrong to do that. The uh, principle of being a Labour MP is in the name. You are there to represent, yes, the Labour Party, but also the wider Labour movement. What Sam Tarry was doing, I was there with him, was on a picket line with some telecom workers outside BT Tower in London, as showing our solidarity with those workers uh, in a pay claim for, uh, for them with British Telecom. And do you know what? They won that pay claim and the strike was entirely successful. Sam and I were there and proud to be in support of 
them. And I just think the idea you would sanction Labour members of Parliament for supporting trade unions who themselves are affiliated to and help to fund the Labour Party is, I'm sorry to say, completely wrong. And Jeremy Corbyn, what about the war in Ukraine? What about those pushing for negotiation, for diplomacy, um, often <clears throat> criticized for being uh, Russian puppets, um, you know, deeply concerned about this, what could be a global conflagration or even what's happening just alone to the Ukrainians. You have a thousand religious leaders in the United States calling for a ceasefire. Um, Bishop Barber, we played a portion of a speech where he said the war is immoral. It is illegal. He fiercely criticized Putin, but said negotiation has to be the way. Your response? I welcome the call by a thousand religious leaders and many, many other people. And I've had a number of very interesting discussions all around Washington yesterday on the possibilities of promoting the idea of a internationally organized ceasefire and negotiations. I absolutely and totally condemn the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the brutality that goes with it. And the destruction of life in the Ukraine, the loss of lives of conscripts, in Russian soldiers is awful and appalling. This war could drag on and on and on. More and more arms could be thrown into the conflict. More and more people would die and you'd end up with destruction all around. Surely to goodness, here we are in the 21st century watching in real time a conflict going on. Can we not do better than that? Call a halt to the conflict. Have negotiations and agree on a viable future. If Russia and Ukraine can negotiate, albeit under the auspices in that occasion of Turkey, to ensure that grain supplies flowed out of Russia and the Ukraine through the Black Sea, which are very important to feed people in uh, the Middle East and North Africa, then it can come together on lots of other issues itself. And so can we stop having armchair generals in all of our studios discussing how this could happen, that could happen, this could go on and that could go on and this could be destroyed instead raise the voice for peace and raise the voice for the voice for hopes and justice i support the russian peace campaigners i support the religious leaders that are calling for a more rational process and i call upon the leaders of the countries that are closely involved in this to heed those calls and find a way out of it all wars end with some kind of peace conference let's jump to that stage I also want to quickly ask you about Brazil. You were there when Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva defeated Jair Bolsonaro, observing the election. Earlier this week, Brazil's prosecutor general charged 39 Bolsonaro supporters in connection with the January 8th attack on the Brazilian Supreme Court, Congress, Presidential Palace, and the capital, Brasilia. They're charged with staging a coup and other crimes. The Brazilian president, Lula, condemned the attempt to overthrow his government by what he called fanatical fascists. This is what he said. All those people who did this will be found and punished. They will realize that democracy guarantees the right to freedom and free speech. But it also demands that people respect the institutions created to strengthen democracy. And these people, these vandals, what can we say? They're fanatical Nazis, fanatical fascists. They did what has never been done in this country. Your response, Jeremy Corbyn, to what happened in Brazil, the significance right up through, that was January 8th, January 6th, what happened in the United States, the insurrection. <clears throat> 
I was shocked and appalled when I saw the news coming through that um, uh, straight after President Lula da Silva had been uh, inaugurated as president, the Bolsonaro supporters tried to invade the uh, presidential offices and federal government offices and try and stage a coup against an elected president. The response of the majority of people in Brazil was to condemn it, and hundreds of thousands of people immediately went on demonstration in support of President Lula. We had a whiff of that on election day itself. I was in Sao Paulo and we were watching the electoral process there and within the city of Sao Paulo it was fine, but we were hearing <laughs> reports from the rural areas and other parts of Brazil, particularly the northeast, which is a very strongly Lula-supporting area, that there were attempts to prevent people getting to the polling stations to impede their progress. And we were very well aware of the strength of um, Bolsonaro's supporters in trying to damage the democratic process. Lula won the election and there are no complaints about the electoral process at all that I've heard. And we can see now what the right in Brazil are doing against Lula. The death of those poor people who were defending their land against um, illegal logging and ranches in the Amazon region is just a, a whiff of the problems that that government faces. But I think we have to say thank you to Lula for winning the election. Thank you to the landless people, the homeless people, the favela dwellers, and all the people that have done so badly out of inequality in Brazil, because of inequality in Brazil, for supporting Lula. And we need to support him to carry through that program of social and economic and environmental justice. And finally, Peru, we have about 30 seconds, but if you can respond to the imprisonment and the ouster, uh, the coup against the leftist president, Pedro Castillo. President Castillo was elected the president of Peru as a um, somebody to help bring about uh, proper quality, quality of life and justice within Peru. He's now been removed by a coup. He should be freed from prison. He, there's no business being in prison at all. And we should support those people that are demonstrating for justice and equality in Peru. The events in the center of Peru, in Lima, with the killing of so many people are absolutely appalling and disgusting. I discussed this with many people yesterday. We need urgent observation delegations to go to Peru to report, as you are on your excellent channel, the truth of what is happening there. The people of Peru deserve democracy not autocracy. Well, Jeremy Corbyn, I want to thank you for being with us. Member of the British Parliament, served as Labour Party leader from 2015 to 2020. He's taking part in today's Belmarsh Tribunal in Washington, D.C., along with Noam Chomsky, Pentagon Papers whistleblower Daniel Assange, um, Katrina Vanden Heuvel, publisher of The Nation, uh, Daniel Ellsberg, and more. I'll be co-chairing that panel, and democracynow.org will be live streaming the tribunal from the National Press Club at 2 p.m. Eastern. Anyone can join. Coming up, we go to Atlanta, where the battle over a new police training center has turned deadly as police fatally shot a forest defender protesting plans to build what's known as Cop City. Stay with us.
such a long, 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 long time. Long Time Gone by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. David Crosby has died at the age of 81. To see our interview with him, go to democracynow.org. I'm Amy Goodman. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. In Atlanta, Georgia, calls are growing for an independent investigation into the police killing of an activist Wednesday during a violent raid on an encampment of protesters opposed to the proposed $90 million cop city training facility in a public forest. Law enforcement officers, including a SWAT team, were clearing protesters who'd occupied a wooded area outside the center when police claimed they were fired on and fired back. Police say a Georgia state trooper was wounded by gunfire. Activists have now released the name of the victim of the police shooting, longtime activist Manuel Tehran, who went by the name Tortuguita. In an audio statement sent to Democracy Now! Thursday, an Atlanta forest defender describes what happened and who Tortuguita was. They asked to remain anonymous and for their voice to be distorted for security reasons. On Wednesday, January 18th, multiple police departments descended upon Wilani People's Park in unprecedented numbers and force. They blocked access to the park on both roads and bike trails. Some people were arrested for attempting to document police actions that day at the park. Gunfire was heard at 9.04 a.m. About a dozen shots fired in rapid succession, followed by a loud boom about a minute later. For hours after the murder of Tortuguita, police continued to hunt, assault, and arrest our brave forest defenders. Those defenders and trees were targeted with pepper bullets. One tree sitter had their treehouse, which stored food and water, cut from beneath them. They were left without food and water for over 12 hours up in the tree as police waited at the base of the tree to capture them. The same tree sitter continued to stay in their tree until the next morning when they were arrested. Other forest defenders were chased by police dogs. These defenders had to hide and flee for their lives, all the while with the nauseating knowing that their dear comrade had been murdered in the sacred land that we call home. Portuguita was a radiant, joyful, beloved community member. They fought tirelessly to honor and protect the sacred land of the Wulani forest. They took great joy in caring for each and every person that they came across. Portuguita brought an indescribable jubilance to each and every moment of their life. Their passing is a preventable tragedy. The murder of Tortuguita is a gross violation of both humanity and of this precious earth which they love so fiercely. Do not turn away from this violence. Do not allow the callousness of the police state to numb your heart. 
honor Tortuguita by bravely witnessing the ongoing injustices the police and corporations are enacting upon the Wolani forest. Honor Tortuguita's legacy by embodying their joyous bravery. Tortuguita's presence on this earth is a gift that will keep on giving for generations to come. It is time for people to join this movement and to say no to this pointless escalation by the police. That was an anonymous statement by an Atlanta forest defender sent to Democracy Now!, his voice disguised. Vigils for the slain forest defender Tortuguita have taken place from Los Angeles to Minneapolis to Charlotte to Chicago and Atlanta. Activists held a vigil the night of the shooting and are planning a march on Saturday. For more, we go to Atlanta to speak with Kamau Franklin, founder of the organization Community Movement Builders. Kamau, welcome back to Democracy Now! Can you please tell us what you understood happened? Well, we have very little information on what take place besides uh, uh, what your uh, earlier recording just said, that uh, the only version of events that's really been released to the public has been the police version, the police narrative, which we should say the corporate media has ran away with. Uh, to our knowledge so far, we find it uh, 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 less than likely that the police version of events is what really happened. Uh, the idea that he was sitting in a tent and fired out of the tent at basically a SWAT team, uh, DeKalb County Police, Atlanta Police, and Georgia State Troopers who were there in great numbers uh, to do the raid that they conducted in the, in the park. Um, and the idea is that this person shot and then they fired back. Um, as uh, the, the little intel that we have, residents said that they heard a blast of gunshots all at once, um, and not one blast and then a return of fire. Uh, also, there's been no other information released. We don't know how many times this young person was hit with bullets. We don't know the areas in which this person was hit. We don't know if this is potentially a friendly fire incident. Um, all we know is what the version of the police has given, have given. And that's why we're calling for an independent investigation, not one that's done by the Georgia uh, Bureau of Investigation, not one that's done by any federal authority, but a complete independent investigation. Because uh, that's the only way we're going to know what really happened. But right now, based on what we do know, we cannot say anything uh, except that this is probably a political assassination. Um, this is something that could have been prevented. There is no reason for them to take the tactics that they did in terms of going into the forest uh, with weapons in hand, with pepper spray, with live ammunition to go shoot um, forest defenders who were engaging in civil disobedience and direct action politics. Come on, Franklin, can we step back and talk about what Cop City, proposed Cop City is and why people are encamped there? Cop City is an idea that came uh, after the 2020 uprisings by the city of Atlanta, the Atlanta Police Department, and the Atlanta um, um, uh, the Atlanta Foundation, Atlanta Police Foundation. Uh, the idea basically is that uh, they want to develop a militarized police base that's right next to uh, a black and brown working class community. And by building this space, they want to cut down over 100 acres of forest. 
Uh, they want to develop an area where there's a, a room for explosive testing, explosives testing uh, over 12 firing ranges, a place where there's a Black Hawk helicopter landing pad, a training center for them to practice tra- uh, crowd control. We should also mention that they are engaged in international training with the Israeli police. Um, and so we think this, this project really is the beginning of a militarized police base here in Atlanta, which will be the largest facility of its kind in the country. And the reason for doing this, uh, coming out of the uprisings, we believe, is to stop movement politics and movement uh, building in Atlanta to coordinate efforts across the country with other police departments and now internationally to stop movement building. And we think this is going to be further sort of terroristic action on black and brown communities by a, a police state, which is out of control at this particular stage. Now, you had a piece in uh, Truth Out, um, and I wanted to, it was headlined, MLK's vision lives on in Atlanta's fight against new police training facility. Interestingly, in 2021, the city of Atlanta announced plans, uh, you know, for Cop City, saying it was to carry on the city's civil rights legacy of Martin Luther King and others. Can you talk about this? Yeah, I mean, we live in a dystopia where the the, the, the legacy of Dr. King is being used uh, by city officials, the same city officials who say that they love good trouble, they love John Lewis, they love Dr. King. When Dr. King was alive, Dr. King was working against police brutality and police militarization. Dr. King poignantly stated that the police themselves harass and are open to and conduct raids on communities. Obviously, Dr. King was surveilled by the FBI, um, a local police task force, along with federal police task force. Um, they harassed Dr. King. They sent a letter to Dr. King to kill himself. Um, and so these tactics in different ways continue today. The Cop City uh, uh, Task Force, which is developed between the FBI, the DeKalb County Police Department, the Atlanta Police Department, um, and several other agencies, Homeland Security, is basically a task force to stop out movement activity because they're afraid that the, the protesters, the various types of protests that are happening, are getting the word out that no one has asked for Cop City. Any survey that's been done has shown that 70% of the Lantons have been against the building of this facility, but yet they went ahead and decided to build it anyway. And now that there's a protest movement against it, they're using all actions, all, all, all everything in their capability and capacity to stop this movement. And now they've turned to the idea of actually murdering protesters as a way to stop people from going into the forest and to stop the defenders from defending the forest. Uh, last December, the Atlanta Forest defender Tortugita, who was shot dead by police this week, was featured in an article headlined The Forest for the Trees that was written by David Peisner, published on The Bitter Southerner. In the piece, Tortugita says, quote, we get a lot of support from people who live here, and that's important because we win through nonviolence. We're not going to beat them at violence, but we can and beat them in public opinion, in the courts even. They're also quoted saying, this is my home now. We built a nice community here. It's about reclaiming the parks and public space. Um, the Atlanta Community Press Collective also wrote, Tortuguita, quote, spent their time between Atlanta, defending the forest from destruction and coordinating mutual aid for the movement, and Florida, 
where they helped build housing in low-income communities hit hardest by the hurricane. They were a trained medic, a loving partner, a dear friend, a brave soul, and so much more. In Tort's name, we continue to fight to protect the forest and stop Cop City with love, rage, and a commitment to each other's safety and well-being. Finally, Kamau, if you can talk about where this protest stands now. Did the police succeed in completely clearing the encampment, or are people still there? To our knowledge, there's still people who have access to the forest who occasionally will go in. We think obviously this is a dangerous time because the police tactics have stepped up to the point where they're actually using live ammunition to shoot and kill protesters. Um, but for even with that said, we will continue to protest both in the forest, around the forest, and in the larger city of Atlanta. And again, asking for not only national support, but international solidarity on this issue, which we've gotten so far, which we expect only to step up more in the coming days and months. This protest movement is not over, it is not defeated. Uh, in the memory of the young, a young person who was killed, we will continue to fight. And let's remember also there was over a dozen arrests yesterday. There are more people charged with domestic terrorism. With domestic um, terrorism? Yes, the more charges of domestic terrorism. The interesting thing is that they charge the people from out of town, people who are not Atlanta residents, with domestic terrorism. But they so far have not charged, in this latest round, they have not charged people who are arrested who are from the city with the charge of domestic terrorism. So we obviously think, again, these are scare tactics. These are tactics meant to criminalize the movement against Cop City. And what's really, really important that we have to keep hammering home is that this this task force or this, this uh, idea about what's happening, this criminalization of movement politics, is something that's being done with so-called moderate liberal Democrats in Atlanta, and now a right-wing Republican uh, who is the governor of the state of Georgia, who's now somehow taking the lead in criminalizing and calling protesters names. Um, but this is done together as a collaboration between the Atlanta uh, political establishment and a governor of Georgia. Um, and they're using all of their security forces, again, the Atlanta police, the Cap County police, state troopers, in conjunction with the FBI and even Homeland Security to criminalize and, and this movement and now to kill a young activist. And you're talking about Governor Brian Kemp. Come out, Franklin, I want to thank you so much for being with us, the founder of the organization Community Movement Builders. And we'll link to your piece at democracynow.org and continue to follow um, this encampment and the series of protests. Next up, we speak with Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors about the death of her 31-year-old cousin, Keenan Anderson. He was a 10th grade English teacher who died after being repeatedly tased by police. Stay with us. Young 
is written by David Crosby, who has died at the age of 81. To see our interview with him and Graham Nash, you can go to democracynow.org. This is Democracy Now! I'm Amy Goodman. A warning to our audience, the story contains graphic descriptions of police violence in Los Angeles, California, where officers recently killed three men within 48 hours. On January 2nd, officers gunned down a black man named Takar Smith in his home after responding to his wife's call for assistance when he experienced a mental health crisis. On January 3rd, officers shot and killed a Latinx man named Oscar Sanchez, who was also facing a mental health crisis after they said he stepped toward them with a threatening metal object. On the same day, a 31-year-old black 10th grade English teacher and father named Keenan Anderson died after being repeatedly tased. The Los Angeles Police Department has released video showing officers tackling Anderson in the middle of an intersection after they responded to a traffic accident as he begged for his life saying they're trying to George Floyd me. It shows an officer electrocuted. Anderson, uh, it showed the officer electrocuting Anderson with a taser for nearly 30 straight seconds as several others pin him to the ground face first. He was then tased again. Police say he died four hours later after suffering a cardiac arrest. Los Angeles's new mayor is Karen Bass. She's called the footage of Anderson and the two fatal shootings this month deeply disturbing. Anderson's sister, Dominique Anderson, spoke Tuesday at a news conference outside Los Angeles City Hall. If you continue to blame the victim and not hold officers accountable, why would they ever stop killing us? For more, we go to Los Angeles, where we're joined by Keenan Anderson's cousin, Patrice Cullors. Yes, Patrice Cullors, co-founder of Black Lives Matter and founder of Reform LA Jails, educator, abolitionist, author of When They Call You a Terrorist, a Black Lives Matter memoir, and an abolitionist handbook, 12 Steps to Changing Yourself and the World. Patrice, I want to start off with our deepest condolences to you and your family on the death of Keenan. Thank you. Thank you very much, Amy. Can you tell us what happened, what you understood took place? Well, on January 5th, I was notified by one of my cousins that Keaton had passed. But on January 6th, another cousin sent me an NBC article um, naming Keaton as a suspect. Uh, It was obviously the LAPD press release that was um, offered to news stations um, and that my cousin had been tased and then died four and a half hours later. Um, in that text message, my cousin said, Patrice, the cops killed our cousin. And uh, the last two weeks have been a nightmare. Um, it's felt like all the years of fighting police violence and officer-involved shootings or officer-involved killings have, has now reached my doorstep. And um, many of us at the local level are calling on our elected officials to uh, change the way they deal with traffic stops. We believe there should be no cops at traffic stops. Um, But more importantly, my family's grieving our loved one, someone who was a giant to us, someone who was not just um, Keenan Anderson. He was my cousin. He was a sibling. He was um, a mentor to school uh, to, to his students and, and so much more. So can you tell us about um, 
as you see it reconstructed, and I also want to ask what you think, Patrice, of the video being shown of Keenan being tased repeatedly. Well, you know, our, many of our family members saw the video before it went live to the public, and um, it's heavily edited. So one of the things we want is the unedited footage. Um, there's no context in that video. My cousin had just gotten to a car accident. Um, and so uh, obviously if you've ever been in a car accident, you're, you're, you're disoriented. Um, and so there's a lot of context that's missing. But then I think those last few minutes of the video of him being tased, um, obviously to death, was probably the most disturbing for me um, to witness because it's like he knows they're trying to kill him and he yells out they're trying to George Floyd me and they did and that imagery of him um, those last minutes of his life are are very painful to to hear and, and visualize and um, and 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 think about given that he was such a beloved human being. Um, to no no human being deserves to die in fear, um, to die um, publicly humiliated and without their dignity. You have questioned why it was necessary for armed police to show up at a collision. Um, the Guardian newspaper cites national data that shows roughly 10% of killings by police each year start with a traffic encounter, Patrice. That's correct. I, I couldn't help but think about Philando Castile um, and how he would be alive right now if he wasn't stopped. Um, at a at a, a four traffic stop by a cop, I think about so many other black people like Sandra Bland, who would be alive right now. My cousin Keenan Anderson, who would be alive right now. Um, we have to reevaluate the use of police at traffic stops um, here in Los Angeles. We're pushing our mayor and our city council to uh, really identify a new source of. Uh, professionals that are not armed, that are trained in crisis, to respond to traffic stops. So can you lay out all your five demands uh, that you are making right now, and also the significance of the mayor being Karen Bass? Yes, um, Mayor Bass uh, obviously has a long history um, in Los Angeles, California. She's from South LA. She started you know, one of the largest um, South LA-based organizations, Community Coalition. Um, I, I uh, knocked for her as she ran for assembly um, and then eventually became a congresswoman. Woman. And as she's worked, you know, uh, alongside many of us activists, she's uh, always been accessible and, you know, she fought a hard campaign against Rick Caruso and uh, we are grateful that Mayor Bass is our mayor. And I think um, now that she's the mayor, it's time for her and, and, and the rest of the city council to um, reduce the budget of the police. LAPD, we know, has receives um, billions of dollars uh, through the city. And also, um, let's take this moment and not let Keenan die in vain. Um, we should have another opportunity to say the police 
killed somebody at a traffic stop, we should be looking at where can we, where can the city find dollars to specifically make sure that a cop is not the one responding to minor infractions that happen in the city of Los Angeles. That is the primary demand that I want to lift up um, to your audience um, because I think it's an important moment right now. Uh, and I think it could be a national demand that many of us call on our local electeds to stop police officers, uh, um, um, to stop the use of police officers at traffic stops. Uh, but people can sign our petition. We have a color change petition, um, tinyurl.com, uh, um, and it's, uh, at the end of it is Keenan Anderson. And those are where you could find our five demands at the local level. We'd love for people to sign it um, nationally. But on this broadcast, um, the primary demand I want to lift up is the use of police at traffic stops. Um, and in L.A., uh, you have uh, city council members filing a motion to create an office of unarmed response. Another council member called for an expansion of the LAPD's mental evaluation unit and domestic abuse response team. And finally, um, if you could leave us with a description of who Keenan was. Um, Keenan was a mentor. He was more than a school teacher. He created programs for young people. Um, he worked alongside his colleagues to make sure his students were taken care of, not just academically, but also emotionally, um, also uh, physically. You know, I've heard so many stories. If he saw a young person that needed shoes, he would go and buy them shoes. He was always thinking about his young young people. He was a father. My cousin was a father. He was a beloved family member. And he um, will be missed um, is an understatement. Well, Patrice Colors, again, our deepest condolences, cousin of Keenan Anderson, who died after being tased by police uh, in Los Angeles. Patrice Colors is co-founder of Black Lives Matter and a founder of Reform LA Jails. Her books include When They Call You a Terrorist, Black Lives Matter Memoir, and An Abolitionist Handbook, 12 Steps to Changing Yourself and the World. And again today at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, Democracy Now! will be live streaming the Belmarsh Tribunal uh, that is being held as pressure is growing on President Biden to drop charges against Julian Assange. He's being held in the Bill Marsh prison in London, has been held for almost four years. Among those who will be testifying are Noam Chomsky, um, as well as um, Daniel Ellsberg. Uh, ben Wisner will also be there, the, uh, lost, the ACLU lawyer for Ed Snowden. Katrina Vanden Heuvel, the publisher of The Nation magazine. Um, I will be co-chairing uh, the Belmarsh Tribunal. Again, you can watch it at democracynow.org at 2 Eastern Standard Time. I'm Amy Goodman. Thanks. of American healing. That's right. Uh, ben Jealous actually is cousin to both Thomas Jefferson and Robert E. Lee. 
and the stories he tells in this book you will not forget. 877-378-8669, 877-FS-TV-NOW, or go to freespeech.org. You can also do something else. You can text the letters FSTV to 44321, you know, like you're texting anyone. But instead of their number, you text FSTV to 44321. It'll link you up directly with the donation page of Free Speech TV, and you can make your monthly donation there. Again, $5 Friday is about your monthly donation, but you can do it other ways too. If you say, nope, I just want to do a $100 one-shot deal or $50 one-shot deal or $25 or $150 and get Ben Jealous's book, you can do that too. Um, but we are looking, especially for new monthly donors, are looking for monthly donors to expand their contribution to independent television. Think about the programming you hear as we talk about the issue of freedom of speech, freedom of the press. I mean, it took a while, but the New York Times, the Guardian, El País, Der Spiegel, these newspapers have called for the Biden administration to drop the charges against Julian Assange. Because when we talk about freedom of the press, it's very important to talk about his case. Here is a publisher who faces 175 years in prison if he is sent back, if he is extradited, not sent back, he's an Australian citizen, to the United States, faces trial and is convicted. He faces 175 years in prison, and yet you have the document scandal of both President Biden, former President Trump, but This man, Julian Assange, who published vital information about what could well be U.S. war crimes in places like Afghanistan and Iraq. It's clear why the powers that be don't want this kind of information out. But that's why Daniel Ellsberg became so famous. Dan Ellsberg, the most famous whistleblower in the world, because he felt to end the war in Vietnam, documents needed to be released. We urge you to go to the phone right now, 877-378-8669, or go to freespeech.org. But do it now. Make that call. And at 2 Eastern Standard Time today, I hope you go to democracynow.org, where we'll be live streaming the Belmarsh Tribunal on Julian Assange, which I'll be co-chairing in Washington, D.C. That's 2 p.m. today. 877-378-8669, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. 877-378-8669, or go to freespeech.org. But do it now. Make that call. We cannot do this without you, only with you. $5 Fridays. Please be as generous as you can. Just $5 a month would do it, or increase a donor subscription by $5, or pledge $100 or $150. I'm Amy Goodman. Thank you so much. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, the War and Peace Report. That's what you tune into daily on Free Speech TV. Please make that call. As we turn right now to Ben Jealous, we just had him on the broadcast the day his book was published. Ben Jealous, again, the former head of the NAACP for years, before that uh, after that, head of People for the American Way, now moving on to be executive director of the Sierra Club. But in the midst of all this, he wrote his memoir, and we want to play a bit of the interview we did with him. Ben Jealous 
who is the, again, the cousin to both Thomas Jefferson and Robert E. Lee, um, wrote, never forget our people were always free, a parable of American healing. Please make your call in for a $150 contribution. Free Speech TV will send you his book. This is Ben Jealous. Yes, you know, my grandmother's grandfather uh, grew up slave in Virginia, knowing that his owner was his uncle, knowing that Robert E. Lee was his cousin. And he, on the other side of slavery, built a populist movement in the gap between the end of Reconstruction and the start of Jim Crow with a former Confederate general. And together, they saved the free public schools of the state, and that was their cause. They also built Virginia Tech, expanded it radically, rather, and they created the first public black college south of the Mississippi. It's just a bold testament to what can happen when we come together. They also abolished the poll tax and the public and the public whipping post. So there you have it, Amy. I mean, we were never taught that there was ever a time when former Confederates and former slaves came together, let alone with a pro-civil rights, pro-public education, pro-workers' rights platform. And Ben, uh, could you talk about your mother as well? She uh, co-authored the book, uh, Combined Destinies, Wife Sharing Grief, about racism and uh, went in depth in that book into uh, uh, more than 50 white people whose lives were deeply affected by racism in America. Yeah, there's a book about how racism against blacks hurts white people. I grew up on a bridge between black and white and north and south and even the old world of the east coast and the cutting edge of california my parents built that bridge for their kids trying to show us that we could be one country that's what really motivated me in my book but her book was really motivated in part by being married to a man who loved his grandfather and yet was disowned by his grandfather his brothers stood by him his mom stood by him but his grandfather disowned him disinherited him sent my father into poverty and um you know, that watching uh, a white man uh, be attacked by his own grandfather for because he loved a woman of a different hue really made her realize what Dr. King said was real, that we're all inextricably linked. Now, there, is no, there is no hurting one member of the human family not hurting yourself. Then, as Juan raised uh, your mother and I asked about your grandmother, we want to put the three of you together. In 2009, when you were head of the NAACP, um, you went to a StoryCorps booth and you talked with your mother and Todd Jealous and your grandmother, Mamie Todd, about how they responded to some of the racism they experienced in their lifetimes. This aired on NPR's Morning Edition and starts with your grandmother describing how she taught at an all-black school in Virginia where students lacked pencils and paper or books or a working chalkboard. This is what happened when she went to demand changes from the white superintendent of schools. I went to the secretary's desk and said, I have an appointment. And she said, well, colored teachers come around the back. I said, beg your pardon? She said, colored teachers come around the back. I said, well, there's this desk right there. And so I walked on through it and went to his desk. <laughs> he was sitting there. He didn't stand up. And there was a chair in front of his desk. So I sat there. And he and I had a conversation. And I just told him how I felt. I really felt about it, and he was a human being. I knew we had that much in common, and I wasn't afraid of it. And are you ever afraid of anybody? Oh, I don't know. 
I have to think about it. I have to think about it. Anyway, uh, the next day, by 10 in the morning, a pickup truck came to school laden with materials. I mean, blackboards hanging over the sides. And I had everything I could think of that I had told him that school needed. Hmm. Well, we're talking about protests. Mom, tell me about desegregating your high school. When I first went there, I remember being assigned a seat, and there was this other girl sitting in my seat. So I went up to say to her, you know, you're in my seat, and she fell onto the floor. She was so terrified. And then I remember... Probably more scary now. Um, the rumor was that we all carried knives, and she was afraid that I would uh, stick a knife in her for sitting in my seat and actually I was asking her to move because I was afraid of the teacher you know being upset Mimi, what was it like for you to watch her go through this? It was very difficult but she kept a lot of it to herself I did not want to burden them I was an only child, and my parents talked a lot, and I grew up with their stories, and so I was very, very conscious of a great deal that they carried as a consequence of racism, so I kept as much as I could to myself. Wow. Thanks, Mom. You're welcome, Ben. Thanks for being interested in yeah. asking. Thanks, Mimi. Good luck to you, darling. There's a lot to be done. There's a lot left to be done. So there you have Ben Jealous speaking with his mother and Todd Jealous and his grandmother, Mamie Todd. Ben, as you come out with your memoir, you are the son of a white father and a black mother who left Baltimore after they married. Interracial marriage then was illegal. Um, you write about being a cousin to both Thomas Jefferson and Robert E. Lee, and you found out you're distantly related to Dick Cheney. Talking, talk about the writing of this memoir, um, what you discovered, and why you feel it's important as a really a memoir uh, a narrative of this entire country. Virginia really is the cradle of our country. And I didn't know most of this. You know, like your guest said about Rosewood, like our elders really don't speak about the painful parts. Well, my grandmother, you heard her, when she went into that superintendent's office, part of the reason she insisted on going to the front door was her father's name was over the front door, her, her grandfather's name, rather, because he had saved the free public schools in that county and in that state, not just as a leader of formerly enslaved men, but as a leader of former Confederate soldiers as well. But I wasn't taught this history. And the moment I, that I realized that, you know, like Robert E. Lee and Dick Cheney are both my cousins, like the country felt very small. I just got my first copy on the way over here. And in a way that just like made my mind explode. But the moment I figured out that my grandmother's beloved grandfather, his political partner was a former Confederate general and a man who, who qualified as a war criminal too. He had massacred an entire black regiment that surrendered and yet here they were 15 years after the war, five years into the reign of terror of the Ku Klux Klan. And while that old war criminal looks like a pretty good ally, like let the Klan deal with them. We don't have to deal with them anymore. And they banded together. They took over the entire Virginia state government, the governor, both senators, both houses. They asserted this agenda. They would ultimately be put down by violent white supremacists and disinformation campaigns. But what's remarkable, Amy, is they planted the, seal, the seeds for FDR's coalition in that state. It was their old lieutenants who would be his, his, their young lieutenants who would be his old lieutenants in the state. And they demonstrated yet again 
And there's a magnetism between the working people of this country across all the lines they use to divide us, wanting to come together. Why? Because our kids need us to. So every time now I see Virginia Tech or I see Virginia State or I see a public school in Virginia, I'm reminded these exist the way that we know them because former Confederate soldiers and formerly enslaved men came together, built a third party, took over their state and asserted their their rights and those of their children. And Ben, in terms of the the lessons for today, especially in the aftermath of the January 6th insurrection and the continued rise and consolidation of a right-wing neo-fascist movement uh, in this country, what do you... uh, uh, Talk to us about what you, what lessons you draw uh, that uh, today's generation of activists uh, uh, could learn from. We have more in common than we don't, and we, and that's always been the case, and that always will be the case. And one of the mysteries that my grandmother gave me, uh, she said, never forget, before there were slave rebellions, there were colonial rebellions. Charles V. Hamilton, the co-author of Black Power, was my professor in college. He said the exact same thing, but he went further. He said, politics is a lot like physics. Something in motion will return to its original state. He said, as Americans, we misremember our original state because we only focus on movies and TV shows that show us slavery near the end. In the beginning, and there weren't just slave rebellions, they were colonial rebellions or white or European indentured servants and African slaves rising up together. And he said, if you really go back and you look at it, you'll understand that's where we're headed, that we're going to come together. He believed that. I believe that. You see evidence of it all around. It's the politicians. It's the 24-hour news often that profit by keeping us divided. But in our hearts, the people of this country want to come together. They know that our kids won't do better if we do that's Ben Jealous. He is author of a memoir, Never Forget Our People Were Always Free, A Parable of American Healing. It is just out. We interviewed him the day the book was published. And this is $5 Friday on Free Speech TV, and we're asking you to be as generous as you can. You could just pledge $5 a month if you could possibly do that, or if you're already a monthly donor, increase your pledge by $5, or pledge $150 and simply get Ben Jealous's book. Never forget, our people were always free. In the process of researching this book, Ben Jealous learned that he was um, related to, uh, distantly related to both Thomas Jefferson and Robert E. Lee, and was a distant cousin of Dick Cheney, yes, the former vice president, former head of Halliburton, among many other things. Uh, But that moment where he's talking to his mother and his grandmother at StoryCorps is priceless. he brings together people across the political spectrum. We urge you to go to the phone and dial 877-378-8669 or go to freespeech.org. Now, we didn't get enough of him on the show, so we did a web exclusive where we continued our interview. And I want to play a clip, a sneak peek for you. Um, it was in the second part of the interview that Juan Gonzalez and I did that I remembered about my first chance to uh, meet Ben Jealous, and it was on the grounds of the Jackson, Georgia prison over a decade ago. 
where Troy Anthony Davis was scheduled to be executed. We didn't know through the night if he would be. It was the fourth death warrant that had been signed for him. Three others had been vacated. And then he was killed. Uh, and Ben Jealous was right there. He was head of the NAACP at the time, speaking on the grounds. There were a thousand people from Morehouse College, um, as well as from Spelman, the women and men's uh, historically black colleges who were holding candles. And I started off um, by talking about Ben's advocacy for the end of the death penalty in the United States and how Troy Anthony Davis, before he died, really um, helped to galvanize this movement. This is what Ben said. You know, Troy Davis's campaign was an example of that. Um, I was on death row with him. We were surrounded by guards. We were sitting in, in the room where they let you bring your family and your friends. The guards were all around us. And Troy was telling me his story for the first time. I'd worked on his case for 15 years at that point, but never met him. And now I was meeting him with his sister and his nephew. And there were tears running down the guards' faces. Because, you know, they see a lot of killers on death row. And they know what a killer looks like. And Troy wasn't one. And they knew that meant that if the Supreme Court didn't stop his execution... They would have to be his killer. They would be the ones to murder an innocent man. Their former warden had raised his voice trying to stop the execution. That's part of why he was the former warden. The governor got rid of him to keep it going. And, you know, if, you know, we are prison guards often because there's no other job uh, to support your family. So when you have a real working class white folks crying, um, you know, uh, as death row guards because they're going to have to execute somebody, and it speaks to what's in my book, Never Forget Your People Are Always Free, that, uh, um, that, there's, you know, that, our, that our hearts pull us together. The title, it came from my grandma. It was a riddle lady. She would, uh, she would say this, like, as a closer, when you're talking about, for instance, the fact that we're products of rapes on plantations. And she said, Never Forget Your People Are Always Free. It didn't make any sense. Three of her grandparents were born into slavery. I confronted her, and she kind of crumbled. And it was like if you said to a devout nun, like, Immaculate conception seems impossible. What else you got? Like, it should just crumble. It was an article of faith. And what I realized as I did the research for this book was that it, that saying was said by her, by her grandmother, by her mother. It echoed down the maternal line. We figured out the help of Henry Louis Gates Jr. at Harvard was that my grandmother's maternal line in America begins with an Afro-Polynesian pirate, with a pirate kidnapped from Madagascar, a group of Afro-Polynesian pirates resisting an onslaught from European pirates. They lost the battle, they were captured, enslaved. And well, what else would a pirate woman say to the children first born into slavery in her family, but never forget her people were always free? It's the only point in our history in America and our family where that made sense. And for reasons I get into in the book, it was pretty clear that that's what was happening. The women were repeating this down the line. That was ultimately, you know, a rally cry, a uh, call to insurrection. It's what gave my grandmother steel in their back. It explained, in my eyes, why all the women in that line were rebels. They ran away from slavery. They fought to, you know, protect children. They, my mom sued her high school when she was 12, uh, all inspired by the first to be brought here. Uh, a woman who had been a pirate when she was free. That 
that's Ben Jealous, uh, speaking on Democracy Now! About his memoir, Never Forget Our People Were Always Free, a parable of American healing. Amazing. The historiography here, the connections even he didn't know until now as he researched this book, as he uh, talks about working with people across the political spectrum of everything from the death penalty to mass incarceration. Ben discovers he's a cousin of the Confederate General Robert E. Lee. The fact that changed him like none other also confirmed his core conviction. The day we accept we are one American family is the day our nation's great destiny will finally be realized, he says. Um, he is an organ who worked with Archbishop Desmond Tutu and Secretary Jack Kemp. He was trained by the protege of both Dr. Rob, uh, Martin Luther King and Thurgood Marshall. We urge you to go to the phone and become a member of Free Speech TV. It's $5 Friday, 877-378-8669, 877-378-8669. It is recommended by so many people. Van Jones says, never forget is rooted in the powerful hope that we can solve our country's most difficult problems by working together. Uh, Henry Louis Gates Jr., the Harvard professor, says, Vangelis appeals to our better angels through storytelling telling that is riotously funny, deeply moving, profoundly insightful. Stacey Abrams says, never forget our people were always free, offers a meditation on the challenges we must continue to confront and the progress made as we pursue our common humanity. The book is yours for 150. Make a pledge to Free Speech TV. You can go right to the website, do it in a minute, freespeech.org. Or maybe you want to pledge $1,000. Get a bunch of these books. Give one to a high school library, a college library, a public library. Perhaps send one to a prison library and keep one for yourself. Stockpile gifts of meaning. Gifts to give to people when you're invited to dinner or someone's birthday. These are wonderful gifts. And they are a gift of knowledge for everyone because you're keeping people-powered television alive when you make that pledge. Maybe if you do $450, that's three books or if you want to do $600, that's four books or $500 just without getting any books, just to support Free Speech TV. Again, on this $5 Friday, if you could even just do a $5 a month sustaining membership at Free Speech TV, it really matters. Or maybe you're already doing that and want to raise it to $10 a month, whatever level you pledge at. Or maybe one shot deal, $25, but do it now. We only have a few minutes. We are asking you to call 877-378-8669 or go to freespeech.org. It is that simple. It is that clear. It'll take you right to, you then click on donate. But if you want to text the letters FSTV to 44321, you'll go right to the donate page. That's like texting a friend, but you text um, the letters FSTV to 44321, right to the Free Speech TV donate page. And then you're keeping independent media live on both the Dish Network and on DirecTV. Uh, FSTV is on both satellite systems in the United States. If you live in Wyoming, why don't you call? Wisconsin, we wish you would. Speaking of which, Washington State and D.C., make that call now. The Carolinas, the Dakotas, the Virginias, um, where Ben is from, we ask you... Welcome, friends, to another edition of Economic Uptick, the weekly program devoted to the economic dimensions 
of our lives and those of our children. I'm your host, Richard Wolf. Today's program is a little bit different. It's got a title, What's Wrong with Capitalism and What is the Cure? And I want to talk about that because of what has happened over this last year just behind us. 2022 saw many economic problems emerge or become much more serious, even as most of our leaders continue to practice the denial of them or the denial of their seriousness or of the fact that the U.S. empire is now clearly in decline. I'm going to give you a partial list. Bear with me as I look down occasionally because there are many items and I don't want to miss them because I want you to see with me how many there really are. We went through a year of a rampant inflation. Prices rising 8, 9, 10%, depending a little bit on how you count. A terrible blow to a population that had just come through two years of the worst public health crisis in a century, plus an economic collapse. As if to make matters worse, the last year also saw raising interest rates, a decision by the Federal Reserve system in this country. You know, the people hurt most by an inflation are middle-income and low-income people. People with a lot of money pay the higher prices, no big deal. Raising interest rates is the same thing. It hurts most those who have the least amount of money to pay the higher interest rates. So notice the problem hurts middle and poor income people the most. And the solution found by our government has the same odd quality, especially when you remember that the rich among us are a very small minority and the middle and the bottom is the vast majority. But I'm just beginning. The year was characterized by a war, a terrible, terrible war in the Ukraine. And this war stimulated the decision of the United States and its European partners to hit Russia with sanctions. And the Russians pushed back with counter sanctions. And when the dust cleared, the idea was this economic warfare between the United States and Russia would bring to a quick end the military war when Russia invaded Ukraine. It did no such thing. Turns out that the Russians were able to push back on that economic war. And in fact, one of the results of this Ukraine war has been to reorient the Russian economy away from Europe, to whom they used to sell the bulk of their oil and gas and so forth, being part of Europe, and reoriented Russia to be much closer than it was before with China and India, the two largest countries on the face of the earth who are now in a tight alliance with Russia in a way that will make historians look back and wonder why a country would go to war in this way when it had these consequences. And since the Russians didn't send oil and gas to Europe, who relies on it, the price of oil and gas in Europe became very high, stimulating even worse inflation over there than we have in the United States, which impacts the middle and lower income people there, producing tensions and conflicts in Europe, 
that are beginning to spill over into conflicts between Europe and the United States. The United States didn't rely on Russian oil and gas. Europe did, and therefore the impact of a sanctions war that didn't work out is worse for Europe, causing tensions with the United States. These are enormous problems that are beginning to play themselves out in ways that should worry you. It was a very bad year for the stock market. Dropped about 20%. That's a very serious problem. Not only did we not make progress on controlling global warming and the climate crisis, it got worse. In Europe, they're now burning coal in greater amount to compensate for the oil and gas they're not getting from Russia. And the coal is polluting the air. The situation is getting worse, not better. And we were in an alarming situation before we even did that. Then there's a recession promised in 2023, the new year. The overwhelming majority of economists in the United States and out predict a recession with unemployment and all the co- more trouble coming. And we haven't even gotten out of the trouble now. And we have a Congress that has declared that the last president before Mr. Biden, namely Mr. Trump, is a criminal and is going to be prosecuted, or at least the suggestion has been made, as a criminal who's broken at least four different kinds of laws. The labor movement is in upheaval in the United States. There are more strikes than there have been for years. There are more efforts at building unions, and more of them are successful than we've seen in a long time. And I don't mean to frighten people, but we are arguably closer to nuclear war than we have been in decades. This has not been a good year. And that's the politest way I can say what these lists suggests. But I want to point to something else. More than ever before in my lifetime, and I was born many years ago in Ohio here in the United States and have lived and worked here all my life. More than ever in my life, I've noticed more and more people looking at one or another of the items on this list and saying, the problem isn't this or that the war in Ukraine, the inflation, the Federal Reserve, the labor movement, whatever. They're beginning to say these are all parts of a system. There's something wrong with a system that produces this many problems, makes them this much worse, all in a year's time. We have to begin to ask whether these are not all of them symptoms of something more basic. But like a, it's like a doctor who sees you for a pain over here and an irritation over there. But after a certain point, after a certain number of these, over a short period of time, he begins to say, I'm going to give you some other tests because we've got to make sure there isn't something more basic that we have to address. I'm going to play the role for a moment of a doctor. I am not a medical doctor, but I'm going to play the role. What I just gave you as a list, which isn't complete, is a sign of systems, excuse me, of symptoms of a system that isn't working for the vast majority of people. And that system has a name. It's called capitalism. 
And that's why this program is entitled, What's Wrong with Capitalism? And What's the Cure? So let me turn to what I've promised you. What's wrong with capitalism? The first question. Well, on one level, and this may strike you as a bit contradictory, nothing's wrong with it. And what do I mean? I mean that it's working the way it always has. It is pursuing profits. The people who own and operate the businesses of the United States, the factories, the offices, the stores, are looking to make a buck. They're looking to save on their costs, expand their revenues, find new customers, increase the prices so they get more revenues from their customers. They're doing business the way they always have. And the people benefiting the most, yeah, it's the same ones that always do in capitalism. The people at the top, the people with the big bulk of shares, the share owners, the people those share owners put in the top positions in companies, the CEO, the CIO, the board of directors, the major executives at the top. They're the ones with the big bucks taking them home. They're the ones we read about living in those nice parts of town, in those mansions, enjoying those vacations and all the rest. And you know when they can make a buck a bit easier? They take the steps needed to do that. For example, they bring in the machines, the computers, the robots, the artificial intelligence to make more money. If that loses millions of people their job, it's not the problem of the business community. It's the problem of the people who've lost the job. They're also the ones who move abroad if they can pay workers less in China, in India, in Brazil, or wherever. They're the ones who push to have immigrants come in so they can pay them less than they had to pay Native Americans before. Yeah, all of that is business as usual. So when I say what's wrong with capitalism, I want you to understand, I'm not saying it's wrong in how it works. I'm saying there's something wrong when it works as it's supposed to, when it works in exactly the way it was set up. Now, of course, Occasionally, people like me and others have been critical of capitalism, more so this year, as I said, than I have seen in my lifetime. And that has led some of the leaders of our capitalist enterprises to put on a kind of show. I hope I'm not being unfair, uh, but then again, who knows? Here's what I mean by putting on a show. They come up with ideas that they're going to now run their businesses in a new way. And here's the words we get like this. We're going to have soulful corporations. We're going to have conscious capitalism. We're going to develop a new kind of corporation, a B corporation that can be interested and concerned about society as well as making a profit. We're going to have stakeholder capitalism and on and on. They promise this capitalism will be more humane. It won't destroy the environment the way it has. It won't disregard the needs of its workers the way it has. It won't evade its tax responsibilities the way they keep doing. There are lots of promises, lots of words, lots of brochures, lots of glitzy advertisement. But has anything fundamental changed? Not at all. The same people are in charge. The same people are making all the basic business decisions. And guess what? 
The problems that I listed at the beginning are the product of what these businesses have been doing with the same old leadership organized in the same old way. Reforming capitalism, making it more sensitive, it's been a good advertising pitch. It has changed nothing. Reformed capitalism is the same old story in a slightly prettified package. The basic story hasn't changed. And that's what we're going to talk about when I come back in the second half of today's program. We've come to the end of the first part of today's show. Please stay with us. We really will be right back. For those of you who may not know, Economic Update is produced by Democracy at Work. It is an institution that is celebrating 10 years of critical system analysis and visions of a more equitable and democratic world. For example, Cities After is a show about the future of cities grounded in our daily urban struggles and designed to spark civic imagination into action. The third season of Cities After begins the new year in an all-new video format. You can find it on our YouTube channel as well as on our website, democracyatwork.info. There you can also learn more about other work we produce. Sign up for our mailing list. Follow us on social media. And discover ways to support the work we do. Please stay with us. We will be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the second half of today's economic update. So what is wrong with capitalism? That's what I want to talk to you about in this second half. I'm going to begin by talking about Adam Smith, arguably the founder of modern economics, writing around the time of the American Revolution that gave us our independence from the British Empire. And I'm going to compare him with a modern economist who often quoted Adam Smith to the very conservative Milton Friedman. Now, there's an interpretation of Adam Smith, very widespread, believed by many. I don't happen to agree with it, but that's not the point. It's a very famous remark. And the remark Adam Smith made is that we don't need to organize an economy. We should just let every individual pursue his or her self-interest. And if everyone just goes after what's good for number one, me, it'll all work out for the best for everybody. And he used that famous line, each of us pursuing our own self-interest will be led as if by an invisible hand to the best outcome for everybody. And of course, the invisible hand is a reference to God. And if we all pursue our self-interest, we can kind of leave it to God to make sure it all works out for the best. It was really with that idea in mind that Milton Friedman, centuries later, said, the job of every corporation is to make the most money for its shareholders. 
That's all. Don't worry about the environment. Don't worry about the workers. Don't worry about the larger society. Go in there. Your job is to make money for the company that hired you. Again, the implicit notion, it'll all work out for the best. Well, I'd like to leave you with a simple thought that that's wrong. It's wrong if you understand Adam Smith that way, and it's wrong if you follow Milton Friedman that way. What these ideas are, are pretty thin disguises for a celebration of what used to be called selfishness. I take care of me, I don't have to take care of anyone. And unless you have some guilt, and there are people who do, you might indulge the belief that you don't have to worry about the community. You don't have to worry about your brother or your sister, and you certainly don't have to be a keeper for them, a caretaker for, no, 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 not necessary. You pursue your own self-interest, it'll all work out. Keep that in mind because that's what's wrong with capitalism as I'll now try to explain. There are three participants in every capitalist business. There's the capitalists, the people who own and run the business. There's the vast army of workers. And then there's the environment, the community, nature, all the things that make any business work. For a business to work, there has to be air and there has to be water. Those are provided by the larger community or by nature itself. And then there's all the work, brains and muscle and sweat and all that to make the things happen. And then there's the directing and the control. Capitalists contribute the functions they perform. Workers contribute the functions they perform. And the larger community provides a lot of the support that makes it all possible. What we nowadays call infrastructure. You know, the roads and the air and the grass and the water and all the rest of it. All right, if these are the three partners in the capitalist economic system, the capitalist, the worker, and the surrounding community, then it would make sense that you run the business for the benefit of all of those who contribute. In other words, the job of the business is to reward in a fair way all of the contributors. It's important to provide a reward to the capitalist, we call that profit. It's appropriate to reward the workers, we call those wages and salaries, and it's important to reward the larger community so it continues to provide clean air, clean water, an environment, infrastructure, and so on. And therefore the logic of a capitalist system would be that it needs to run its businesses to serve all three of the components who contribute to it. But that's not how capitalism works. Capitalism, and I've taught this subject in many American universities all my life, has a number one priority, profit. Profit is the bottom line. Profit is what we maximize. Profit is what we're in business for. Profit is what the business school teaches 
young men and women is their job to maximize. Wait a minute, but that's only part of the story. Why are we not busy maximizing the wages and salaries? Why are we not busy maximizing what we can give back to the community so it can continue to give what it needs to give to get production to be done? Why this prioritizing of profit? Especially when you realize that profit is a part of the revenue from business that goes to the smallest number of people, the folks at the top. In fact, that's why they're at the top, because they take the lion's share because of what? Because they made the business prioritize profit, prioritize what they get out of the business. In fact, they feel great if they can raise the profit at the expense of giving workers less of a wage. That's why capitalists fight against every effort of workers to raise their wages. They don't want the enterprise to reward the workers the way they want it to reward them. The priority on profit, which is a foundational commitment of capitalism, is the problem. That's why we have inequality. That's why we can't change it. That's why we can't overcome it. We allow people in the business world, a tiny minority, the employers, to make the decision to maximize profit, to run the business so it gets the most into the hands of who? The shareholders, the major executives, the people who gather the profit. The business is never in business to maximize the well-being of the workers, even though they're the majority. That's because capitalism is organized in a certain way. It's not that the capitalists are greedy. It's that you've set up the business. You've taught everybody in the business, even working men and women, believe if they've taken courses in economics in high school and in the university, that it's somehow appropriate or necessary or somehow built in that you have to maximize somebody else's income the profit income receivers, rather than your own. You've taught people to subordinate themselves, and they become complicit in a system that isn't working for them, and then they wonder, gee, why isn't it working for me? If you want the system to serve the people, you've got to put the people in charge. You can't have businesses run by a tiny minority and then be surprised that they give the bulk of the income to themselves as profit, as dividends to shareholders. They've set the business up like that. They've taught it to their children. They proclaim it as if it were some kind of logical necessity like technology. It's none of those things. It's a political decision that was made long ago and then surrounded with pretty sounding phrases like what Adam Smith and Milton Friedman told us. You know, there are historical similarities here, and I want to draw them out for you. Once upon a time, we had kings. And you know what the kings said in the systems we call monarchy? The king said, I know what's best. And if I make the decision about what happens, 
It's the best for everybody. I'm everybody's king, and I make decisions that are best for everybody. Never mind that nobody lived like the king. The king lived in palaces. We visit those palaces today as tourists, marveling at a building with 84 bedrooms in it and a moat around it and all of this wealth and finery. People kind of knew, but that was what was said and that's what everybody repeated. The king knows best and the king, what's good for the king, what the king decides to do is best for It's best for us that he lives in a palace and we live in a hut. <laughs> wow. If they could convince people of that then, why are we surprised that we have convinced people in capitalism that a profit-making business is what we want? We don't. That's not what we want. That's good for a very small part of our population. And it's the reason why so many of us are discovering, as I began this program, the long list of problems that get worse and worse, that are harder and harder to solve. You know, let me take the example of the inflation. I'm struck as an economist. Why are we responding to an inflation, which itself is a bad sign about capitalism? By raising interest rates. The Federal Reserve acts, the President Biden acts, the leading Republicans act as if raising interest rates is the necessary obvious thing to do. But it isn't. The last time we had an inflation like this, 19, early 1970s, we didn't solve it by raising interest rates. President Nixon on the 15th of August, 1971, imposed a wage price freeze. He went on radio and television and said tomorrow morning, any business in America that raises a price, any union that raises a wage, we will come, we will arrest you, and we'll throw you in jail. It's against the law. Guess what? Inflation stopped on a dime right away. Bingo. No raising of interest rates. And you know, it hit everybody the same. Workers couldn't raise their wages. Businesses couldn't raise their prices. Wage price freeze, it's called. That was not a discrimination against working people. Raising interest rates is discriminatory against middle and lower income people because a higher interest rate is a much more burdensome economic reality than for rich people. The Federal Reserve is serving rich people by choosing to solve the problem of capitalism called inflation by adding another burden to the average person. That's a system that works for some of us, the same some of us, and not for the rest of us. And that's why something has to be done. But calling it soulful, saying you're concerned about the other people that are being <laughs> hurt, that won't cut it anymore. You really got to do something. And the question is, what do you do? And here's the answer. It goes back to what I said before. You put people in charge. You convert businesses from the top-down hierarchical institutions they are now into democratic, worker-run cooperatives. That's right. Everybody That's right. in the workplace gets together, one person, one vote, and they decide together 
what's going to happen in the enterprise. They don't prioritize profits. They prioritize all of the people who help to make a business go, not just those who are in a position of organizing or running or having authority. All the workers, the larger community, they divide up the fruits of the business to to respect and to reproduce all those. That's how you overcome inequality. That's how you overcome the immense list of problems that capitalism keeps shoving into our faces. There is a solution. Worker co-ops have figured it out for hundreds of years. Let's not let them sit at the edges the way they have. Let's see them as the future because capitalism doesn't cut it anymore. And the more of us realize it, the more of us can explain to our fellow workers that's the direction to go so we aren't taken down with a capitalism in decline. Thank you all for your attention, and as always, I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Something special is coming this Friday. I'm David Pakman, host of The David Pakman Show, bringing you interviews with some of today's most interesting and controversial politicians and thought leaders. Make sure you tune into Free Speech TV this Friday. You don't want to miss it. If you're a regular viewer, you might have a guess. That's all I can tell you for now. Tune in this Friday. Thank you. <laughs> TV, your democracy now, your daily news out. No, 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 no. Rama. Mm. Let's do this. Let's do this little astrology. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Tell everybody who this is. <clears throat> this is uh, Jocelyn Starfeather talking about the new moon in Aquarius and all the planets going direct. All right, here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to this YouTube live. Let me just check all the settings here. Make sure we're in good shape to go. Okay, very good. All right, wonderful. So everyone, I just wanted to pop on and I am Jocelyn Starfeather, founder of Sacred Planet. I just wanted to pop onto YouTube here today and give you a quick update for the weekend, an astrological update, because we have a really big weekend coming up. We have the new moon in Aquarius on January 21st. This is also the Chinese New Year, so an exciting and powerful day. I'll tell you more about the astrology of that. And then also we have on January 22nd, we're going to have all planets direct. 
because Uranus is the only planet that's still retrograde right now. Mars and Mercury recently went direct uh, in the past week or so. Uranus is going to go direct on the 22nd, and then we will have all planets direct for the coming months. So listen in to hear those updates. This is going to be a pretty quick, uh, short and sweet astrology report here, and I hope you all will enjoy it. So I'm going to share my screen so you can see the chart of the new moon in Aquarius, which is on Saturday at 3.53 p.m. New York time. U.S. Eastern Time. And of course, you would want to adjust that for your own time zone to get the exact time of this new moon. Now, you can see in this chart that the sun and moon are together at one degree and 32 minutes of Aquarius. This is very, very close to that zero degrees of Aquarius point where Jupiter and Saturn had their grand conjunction in December of 2020. Now, that was a really world-changing transit and has brought us into this initiatory phase that we've been in really ever since 2020, um, as you all well know, as we're all living every day, right? And so um, this new moon in Aquarius, right, uh, and, and just going back a moment to the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction at zero degrees Aquarius, that conjunction was really calling us forward into the new world that is possible, um, that is possible for the earth, that is possible for humanity at this time. And this age of Aquarius is something we hear a lot about. The age of Aquarius means that the sun um, on the vernal equinox in the northern hemisphere will be rising in the constellation of Aquarius. And we're in Right now, the time that the sun and the vernal equinox is right on the line between Pisces and Aquarius and is moving more and more into the sign of Aquarius uh, every spring equinox. So that's what the age of Aquarius means. Um, What this means for us living day to day as humanity is that in order for us to fully enter into this age of Aquarius, which is going to uphold the Aquarian ideals of Um, really community-based living rather than uh, governmental and political top-down. This is more of a grassroots feeling. This is the the Aquarian ideals include the concept that everybody has a unique talent and a unique genius to bring forward. Everybody is honored for their weirdness, for their uniqueness, for the gifts that they bring, right? And so this is a much more grassroots, community-based perspective of reality than what we've been living in. Um, This is also really valuing um, our mental abilities, okay? Our ability to be strong and resilient with our mind, our ability to have um, really deep powers of being able to work with the mind in powerful ways, much as, for example, the ancient Egyptians were able to do and uh, many ancient indigenous peoples were able to do, right? And to really um, have mastery over the mind and with the mind, okay, in alignment with the mind. So this Aquarian new moon happening at the same degree as that Jupiter-Saturn conjunction is going to bring up for us these sorts of principles. And it's asking us, how are we building this new world? Since the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in December of 2020, there's a lot that has collapsed. 
There's a lot that has needed to collapse, both in our personal lives and collectively, in order for us to build the new versions of society, in order for us to build the new versions of reality that, as Charles Eisenstein has said, that we know in our hearts are is possible, right? But it may seem hard to build. It may seem difficult to turn the corner from the very commercialized and politicized world that we've been living in for so long. But we're here to build this new world. All of those of us who are alive at this time, we're here to build a new world. So this Aquarian new moon is a really powerful time to set intentions about what kind of new life do you want to create? What kind of new world would you like to see to really get clear on our vision for the future? to really get clear on what values are most important to us and how do we want to uphold our integrity, our values, our honor, uh, our unique truths, that what what is true for each and every one of us, how do we want to uphold those in what we're building, right? So intentions that you set for this new moon, and remember that always the new moon is the perfect time for intention setting. The new moon, when the sun and moon are joined together like this in the sky, is a time to plant seeds. It is a time for new beginnings. It is a time to set the energies, to set the tones for what we would like to see in the future. So that will be very supported during this time. Um, this zero and one degree of Aquarius point in the zodiac is quite an activated point, not only because the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction happened there, but also because Pluto, which you can see here at 28 degrees of Capricorn, is going to be moving into Aquarius and is going to get to zero degrees of Aquarius this year between March and June of 2023. Pluto will be at zero degrees of Aquarius, very close to where this new moon is occurring. So this new moon is also giving us a bit of an oracular view, a bit of a foreshadowing view into the energies that will be coming through as Pluto moves into Aquarius. Now, Pluto will be in and out of Aquarius as it retrogrades and goes forward um, during 2023 and 2024. By the end of 2024, Pluto will be solidly in Aquarius and will stay there until 2043. So that's quite a long transit, and that's a transit that is beginning in March of 2023. That will be a really big shift as Pluto moves out of Capricorn, where Pluto has been since 2008, all right, and moves into Aquarius. Now, Pluto is coming in to help us build this revolutionary new world that we know is possible. Pluto is all about our power, and Pluto requires us to go deep within ourselves, to look at the shadows, to receive the initiations in order that our power can fully emerge and that we can express our full and deep truth and live in our power in all that we're doing in our lives. So as Pluto moves into Aquarius, um, he's going to be really assisting us to build the new world in a much more powerful way, in a way that is ready to look at the shadows and bring them into the light so that we can build something that's that's going to be solid and so that we can build something that's going to really be what we want and what we choose with that power that we have. One other important feature of this new moon is that Saturn and Venus are almost conjunct. They're at 24 and 23 degrees of Aquarius, as you can see here. Um, They will be conjunct just one or two days after this new moon. And Venus and Saturn being conjunct um, is important for us. So Venus represents 
love, beauty, relationships, our values, and how we value ourselves. Um, she also represents our connection to the earth and to our bodies. So sexuality, sensuality, movement, dance, these are all um, principles that the goddess Venus holds very closely. Now, Saturn is different than that. Saturn is about structure. Saturn is about hard work. Saturn can be about challenge and frustration when it shows up in our lives. Um, Saturn is calling us up to a higher level of evolution through really questioning and um, slowing down and taking our time with things so that we can come to the truth. The Saturn way is not the easy way. All right. Venus is much more easeful and graceful and flowing, right? Which is really wonderful and fun and juicy. Saturn is much more hard work and let's um, slow things down and let's make it a little frustrating. But this is so that we can learn important lessons. So if you are in relationship or in social situations over the weekend, there could be frustrations, there could be slowdowns, there could be challenges. Um, if you are working with your body or with love uh, relationships, as I mentioned, if you are um, working on bringing the principles of ease and grace into your life in these different ways, there could be a slowdown on that over this weekend. There could be frustrations, but you want to always remember with Saturn that he's calling us up to our highest evolution. So what we want to do if there are challenges or frustrations over the weekend around these themes is lean in and ask Saturn, Saturn, what are the lessons you're trying to help me learn here? What are the teachings that you're showing to me? Please help me understand so I can learn this lesson and move forward in a new way with ease and grace, with love and beauty, having learned something really deep um, through the, the frustrations or slowdowns that are happening right now. So, you know, we don't want to run away from these Saturn challenges. We want to lean in, ask for the teachings, ask for the lessons so we can fully receive them. Um, one other thing I'll mention, too, that's beautiful about this new moon is that Jupiter and Juno are conjunct. Um, Juno is an asteroid. She is an asteroid goddess. She represents marriage and commitment. And Jupiter here, they're both at four degrees of Aries. So if you have four degrees of Aries, uh, if you have planets or points in your charts at, at four degrees of Aries, this is significant for you. Jupiter is about our growth and expansion. Uh, our abundance and optimism. Um, Jupiter can also be about travel. He's like all these good, exciting, expensive things that we want to do in our lives. And so Jupiter coming together with Juno represents the fact that we are making a new commitment at this time with this new moon um, to our own personal and spiritual growth. We are making a commitment to the expansion of ourselves into our fullest expression, into who we know we are meant to be. So as you are setting your intentions for this new moon, really keep this in mind. We have a very favorable Jupiter and Juno lineup here to support you in creating your intentions for how you want to build the new world, how you want to build your life in 2023. 
So bring expansive new ideas in as you're setting those intentions. Um, bring ideas that are going to uplift you and things that you really want to commit yourself to. Maybe because Juno is about commitment, right? Anything that you have tried to commit to before and weren't able to follow through with it, try it again. Set your intentions around that this new moon. You're going to have some really beautiful support in doing things that maybe you weren't able to fully, fully make happen before. Now I'm going to zoom forward just a little bit here um, before I close this call today because I want to show you what it will look like in the skies once Uranus is direct. So Uranus is going to go direct here at 14 degrees of Taurus um, later in the day New York time on Sunday. It'll be around 6.30 p.m. New York time that Uranus goes direct. This is really significant. Uh, we had Mars, which had been retrograde from October 31st, finally turn direct in Gemini uh, right here, okay, at eight degrees of Gemini on January 13th. And then Mercury, uh, which is in Capricorn here at nine degrees of Capricorn, Mercury was uh, retrograde since December 29th, 28th or 29th, um, depending on the time zone. And then now just went direct on January 18th. So we had those two planets now moving in forward motion. And we're going to have Uranus and we're going to have all the planets now. Once Uranus turns direct, all the planets are moving direct following from January 22nd. And from this late time on January 22nd, all the way until April 22nd, we'll have all planets direct. So this is really important. This is a powerful shift in energies. We've had various different planets retrograde throughout most of 2022. Um, and so what happens when all the planets are direct is that we're able to move forward in new ways. We're able to actually have all cylinders running, pushing us in the right direction. <laughs> nothing like pulling us back, nothing pulling us to the side, asking us to pause, asking us to slow down. We're going to really be able to move forward in new ways. So for whatever you choose to set your intentions around on the new moon on the 21st, know that you're going to have three months of powerful energy to help you get started on that. These three months are a wonderful time to take action, to take a leap forward, to do something that you've been afraid to do, um, to really, really choose an action that will be meaningful and then do it and really commit to it. Remember Jupiter and Juno, they're still conjunct here in this chart as well. Four degrees of Aries, right? Really commit to something and take those action steps and trust yourself and trust the cosmos to support you. These are powerful times we're moving into, a powerful weekend ahead. I wish you all the very, very best in this upcoming weekend. I hope that anything that's been moving backward for you for the last few months is able to start moving forward. Even if it's not quite there this weekend, it will be in the weeks to come. So really trust. I'm sending you all lots. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to pass this talking stick to you, Rainbird. I know that you have something to say on the last word here. Sounds good to me what we're getting ready to do. Uh, we've got our cooperative here. Uh, so uh, I guess let's roll up our sleeve. Pass this talking stick to you with our emerald serpent feathered one here. 
inspiring us all with all kinds of little people on it, too. Angels, fairies, feathers, rainbows, crystals. Here it comes, Rainbird. Okay, I got it. And, yeah, yeah, it's exciting, all that. All the possibility and, and yeah, taking action and making it happen. And that was really great, just listening to all that democracy now and, um, and Robert, whatever his name is, I forgot. Richard <laughs> Wolf. Richard Wolf. Oh, Richard Wolf, that's it. Wolf, Wolf. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he's good. He he he's good. He is. He's so good. I really enjoy him. So thank you. Thank you for tonight and we get to do this some more tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that. And new moon. It's new moon time. New moon time, so it's time to get start somewhere, right? Age of Aquarius time. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Rama, here comes his talking stick. Okay. Tell us nice and loud because the heater is kind of challenging us. What have you got for us, hon? The mind and your reality. The mind and your reality. All right. We've got maybe just time for that. Okay. Here we go.
because happiness is not a destination but a way of life. It is not at another place but this place. It is not for another hour but this hour. The power for creating a better future is contained in the present moment. You create a good future by creating a good present. So do not worry, do not complain. Accept things as they are, let things go. Make the present moment the focus of your life. Other people have remembered when they come back to us, they say, hey, don't worry, don't be afraid, because this is just a ride. Don't worry, be happy, said Meher Baba. Uh, we'll leave that uh, our, our our audience and all of us together. And inshallah, Satnam. Satnam D. 13 thank yous, honey in the heart, no evil, live long and prosper, and see you this afternoon. Aloha, everyone. Sweet dreams. <laughs>